welcome to The Rewatchman, where we don't review movies, we re-review them. I'm TC DeWitt, and with me as always is Bento. How's it going? Hello, TZ. Cool, cool, cool. Today we are looking at 2005's Idiocracy, written and directed by Mike Judge, starring Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, and uh, Dax Shepard. Remember when he was a thing? He was. And um, uh, Terry Crews. Terry Crews. President Camacho. And that's it. That's that's the whole cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who might not remember, Idiocracy... It was Mike Judge, Judge's follow-up to Office Space. Oh, well. He did, huge, yeah. he, he did Office <laughs> Space in 1999, and he didn't have anything again, feature-wise, mm-hmm. until Idiocracy. Yes. Very prolific TV creator, though. TV oh, series yeah. Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. um, King of the Hill. I never really liked King of the Hill. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's... Uh, did he create Silicon Valley? Yes. Okay. Silicon Valley is his his current project, and that is a damn fine show. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, very very funny, very very good sharp humor from mm-hmm. good improv comedians. Okay, not bad improv comedians. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more painful than bad improv. Yes. Yeah, a lot of pity laughter and whatnot. Mm. So, idiocracy. This was your idea. So yes. and you had never seen it before, right? I've never seen it. Yeah, just to preface, um, I've never seen it, and it was highly, highly recommended amongst my circles for on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, especially with the election happening this year, everyone was referencing it. Even the creators were coming out and saying, um, "I never thought he actually would become <laughs> a documentary." <laughs> and and, and they just yeah. did a. It's the they're celebrating the anniversary of it. At least they just did. Mike Judge just did a screening of it last night. Yeah, at the Arrow Theater. Yeah. Um, 10th? 11th anniversary? I think 10th. Okay. Maybe. Um, I, I didn't see it in theaters because it had a very, very limited theatrical release. I didn't see it till it was on DVD. Yeah. And I had been wor- I was working at a video rental store for the summer. Mm. And so I tried to watch everything I had missed earlier in the year, not being at the movie theater anymore. Yeah. So it's been... Since 2005, 2006, 2006, since I've seen this movie. Okay. And, and you were working at the video store. Right? I was working at the video okay. store. Yeah. video store. And, um, What was yeah. the reaction then? Uh, then I, I, I remember. Like amongst your peers. Uh, well, it, uh, it, it definitely had an immediate following because of the cult success and love for Office Space. Mm. And, of course, for Beavis and Butthead and, as well. But Mike Judge had that. That, a nice underground following at yeah. the time. So Idiocracy was one of those things like, hey, did you know that the dude who did Office Space had another movie? You didn't? Well, it comes out on DVD. you got to watch it. Mm. And I can remember people really liking it, uh, speaking of it in very high regard, uh, and that it's, yep, this is this is where we're heading, people. This is where we're heading. If we don't buckle down, we're just be a bunch of asshole idiots ruining the planet. <laughs> and that was in 2005. Mm. And uh, when I watched it, yeah, I was amused. I thought it was, it was funny. I didn't, I didn't like fall head over heels for it. It didn't become one of those movies that I would forever remember and, and watch. in in terms of like great comedies that I've enjoyed over time, that, that I've seen again and again, it's not one of those. And watching it again now, I liked it less. Not to not to jump right to the point here, but not to judge, Mike Judge. <laughs> <laughs> but how about you? Having never seen it, yes. having all that build up for mm-hmm. a decade of people telling you to watch this darn thing, yeah, and then you deciding to pick it for a rewatch. Mm. What is your reaction? I think the most offensive part about this film is 
how much it had little to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it's coming off as as that guy in your freshman English class who's a lot who thinks he's a lot smarter than he actually is, and yeah. he's trying to teach the class <laughs> about you know whatever the lesson was. And I I feel like there there was there was a moment, especially when uh, Luke Wilson's character kind of came to a realization. This is towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. so. Uh, stop me if I'm jumping too far, but I don't know. Um, babble away, <laughs> babble on. For those of you who are new to the cast, this is spoiler filled. We're not going to coddle to you if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, it's called a rewatchman. You, we've rewatched this movie. So if you have not seen the movie and mm. you've come this far, that's the only warning you're getting. So go ahead. Ben. She's a dude in the crying game. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. So Luke Wilson uh, coming to the realization that. Um, he kind of wasted his life. He's an average guy um, just trying to coast along life. And he could have – he had the opportunity to do better, but he didn't mm-hmm. for himself. And so um, it's not so much him criticizing the folks around him for being idiots. It's him himself not aspiring to do more. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was actually a really profound thing to say, and I wish that was actually something that trickulated amongst the entire entirety of the film mm-hmm. because I didn't get that out of the rest of the film. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was just – it was like you said, it's just so meh. And I'm actually kind of shocked at the following of this film. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's – I don't don't know if they were intending to even have some social commentary on other than people are dumb because they like dumb shit Mm. on TV and we have dumb people. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and here's a a message on global warming and and littering. (laughs) It – to me, especially watching it now, having – having come back to it, yeah, it felt like one of the Saturday Night Live movies. And yeah. that's not a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> like the lesser ones, like um, what's what's the one with the uh, the woman dressing up as the nerdy guy? Oh, it's Pat. Yeah, it's Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Smalley saves his family. Yeah. It just felt like an extended joke that went on for 90 minutes mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Yeah. And that's disappointing because, yes, there is – some commentary that could be had here. Mm. We can get into some some of the good right now, but I, I think I'm coming out of the gate bit kind of negative to the movie. Oh, no, I know. I totally feel. I think we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> I remember when Wally came out. Yes, right? I was thinking Wally the entire. There time. were people who were like, oh, "Wally just ripped off Idiocracy." <laughs> um, n- okay, fine. If you want to say that, yeah. sure. Let's say Wally ripped off Idiocracy. Mm. Wally did it way better. <laughs> yeah, it was building building off something that was started off as a little bit more minute and made it more nuanced mm-hmm. and actually had something more meaningful to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, going back to it again, now going back to it now and seeing like, wait, what the hell was everyone bitching about comparing these this to Wally? Yeah. Wally is a much more intelligent film. With a lot more to say mm. and a much more subtle way of saying it, or not, whatever. With literally out saying anything. Without saying anything, like right? The first twenty minutes, is <laughs> it's zero just, dialogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just hello, Dally. Put on your Sunday clothes. Lots of world. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Um, out there, there's a. Is that the? Okay. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I okay. This. This fantasy of what the future could be mm. is if the YouTube comment section took over the world. 
Okay. Let's, That's a great way of now, putting it. So 2005, we're looking – This 2005 was a different internet. Yes. It was a different area of social media, of pop culture. Mm. It was much different. We live in such an immediate knee-jerk reaction to everything now, and everyone gets to just skew their opinion, whether it's entertainment or it's – it's uh, it's ignorance. It's just everyone just vomits all over the internet. And and go to any YouTube, any YouTube video with lots of views, mm. and just read the ignorance. Yeah. And yes, littered in there, you will certainly find some intelligent, thoughtful conversation. But man, do haters want to hate? <laughs> <laughs> and the, and idiocracy presents a world. Where that comment section of America, mm. sorry, I need to specify, we don't know what the rest of the world looks like, yeah. but I'm just going to go in, uh, off, uh, on a, I'm just going to say that if that's the way America turns out, because you, then the rest of the world is probably doing pretty darn good, because they probably <laughs> just put up a wall yeah. around this country. You're like, seal it off. <laughs> let, them, let them fight their own wars. <laughs> um, now that, that you bring up a great point about looking at this film in the context of when it's made, mm-hmm. especially when you're trying to make a sociopolitical statement of this uh, nature, you have to look at the time that it's trying to comment mm-hmm. on. And in 2005, we were in the midst of the Bush administration, and I can understand like the frustration that I don't even know what my judge like where he aligns because right. he has publicly come out and say I don't talk about that stuff. At all. Right, right, <laughs> which is smart, yeah, <laughs> and for the best. And it's like it's hard to tell from his work uh, too because. Like they, it, it veers back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. Like King of the Hill is something I would consider a little bit more uh, conservative, conservative humor. But it's not even like particularly like right wing at all. It's mm-hmm. just just a slice of life amongst that that area, uh, <laughs> Texas, in Texas. But um, uh, where was it going with this? <laughs> <laughs> the era it came out with in two thousand and five. Yeah. It was the second. It was the beginning of the second term of Bush. There was a lot of jaded feelings towards. Our, our leadership yeah. in this country mm-hmm. and the no child left behind idea of, okay, we can't let the dumbest kid in class fail, so we need everyone to learn at his level. And you know what happens when you do that? You get a president named George <laughs> W. Bush. Yeah, I think I'm making myself clear about how I felt about that era. <laughs> so go ahead and, and come at me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, man, I'm trying to remember what, I remember not really liking pop culture at the time mm-hmm. because it was a per- that was oh 2005 was a it was a uh, turning point for us too in the industry because it was the writer strike. The writer strike was just beginning. Yeah, because it that strike ended in 2007. Yes, and we were left with like this abandoned wasteland of just strictly unscripted reality type shows that mm-hmm. marketed itself towards the lowest denominator. The uh, Jersey Shore yeah. um, era. Uh, Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Survivor, American Idol. Like yeah. the, the, it go to, in fact, looking at the 2005 era of filmmaking, you have stuff like Man of the Year, the, mm-hmm. the Robin Williams Daily Show-esque, yeah. char- John Stewart-esque character running for president and winning on accident. <laughs> um, you have... American Dreams, which was uh, Hugh Grant playing a Simon Cowell type character, and the the person trying to that they is going to win American Idol is actually a sleeper terrorist. Yeah, it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great memory, sir. I 
do not remember any of those films <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm not going off notes. Ben can vouch. I'm not reading this off. Freestyle. Is off the top of my dome. Off the dome. <laughs> Look, uh, the the Bush administration era, it's, it's, I mean, especially because of post-9-11 and post the 2000 election, hmm. watch, like the the young America at the time went through a lot of growing pains. Yeah. And and adding on top of that, the rise of social media. That MySpace was the biggest thing in two thousand five. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's the MySpace era. Mm. But and the the blogs and the that's the fifth year of YouTube. Mm. Um, is that right? Let's see, if YouTube just hit about its tenth anniversary fairly recently. So yeah, we're we're looking at early YouTube yeah. and in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there was a lot of aggravation Mm -hmm. towards the system and the man and that came through in the media and mike judge and uh ethan cohen i think yes the and not not cohen brothers ethan cohen i always get confused garfield (laughs) ethan cohen oh god (laughs) (laughs) they said for years we weren't trying to say anything Mm -hmm. this is not a political statement this is not a social statement we weren't trying to say anything we're just telling the movie Uh, but as we as this current election has come along Mm -hmm. They have come out and said, you know what? We didn't realize we were, you had said it before. We didn't realize we were predicting the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the president in Idiocracy, expertly played by Terry Crews, <laughs> Camacho, is a former reality show star. Slash wrestler. He was a like pro wrestler, yeah. professional porn star. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Becomes president hmm. wearing his flag jumpsuit and. That's scarily close to what we may be getting soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but the message, you know, we kind of keep harping on it. The message wasn't strong enough. And probably yeah. because, like they said, they weren't setting out to say something. Yeah, I think that might have been the fault. Because, like, if you were to come out to make this film, you can't really half-ass it. Like, yeah. It, there, There's no way of escaping the parameters of politics mm-hmm. when you want to tell something that involves uh like societal problems like classism and racism and sexism and stuff like that you mm-hmm. can't comment on that without saying something strong mm-hmm. or something truthful and um i think whether or not they say they weren't intentional about it i it's so hard to believe you know because <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it feels like how could they not have at least in partially tried to say something yeah like, it's like do you have no thoughts you know? <laughs> I, I don't believe that and so um, I think that's why it really did falter, and it did. It almost they just became the movie itself just became as dumb as the people they were parodying. But here's the thing: I don't think they were truly parodying as much as they could have. Yeah. Because if they were trying to show ignorance winning, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a black president, and there wouldn't be. I mean, uh, the the it wasn't sexist. Like the movie had. A, I'm trying to think. They weren't deliberately like degrading to women. I don't think because yeah. the most po- the strong female character in it is a prostitute who's smarter than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did have this thought though, as as the it's the not last. innocent of sexism. I'm just saying it's not as bad as it. If they were truly parodying, hold your thought. Yeah. If if they were truly taking a dig at mm. those idiots. Yeah. The living trolls then it would have been worse. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I totally get you. Because Candace disagreed when I said it wasn't sexist, but I'm saying... 
<laughs> anyway, you were saying that? I, th- I think we're on the same vibe here, Candace. Um, I, I was thinking about this a lot, actually, as I was driving over here, thinking about that kind of that final shot. Because mm-hmm. uh, to go toward, towards the end of the film, Luke Wilson's uh, character discovers that the time machine, quote-unquote, is actually just a ride in a theme park. <laughs> so he couldn't go back home to, his, uh, to present time, 2005, so he's yeah. stuck in whatever uh, dimension he is in or timeline. And so he ends up becoming president and marrying Maya Rudolph's character and they have a bunch of babies and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking, like, why couldn't have Maya Rudolph's character been president? Because it, it seemed like she had... They didn't establish what her IQ level was mm-hmm. uh, with Luke Wilson's character, but it just seemed like she had at least more of a direction of where she was going. Yeah. Because he was just like, well, I want to go home, but I don't really know how. And, and she's out there making money on yeah. day one. She's <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm just thinking, how, how did she end up just being the wife at the end of it all? And so mm, I see. I totally understand when people like defend – racism and sexism like that wasn't their intention and stuff like that but i i come from the school of like isn't it more dangerous when you don't understand it or when you don't <laughs> see it you know what i mean because mm-hmm. you are perpetuating it without actually doing anything mm-hmm. like by ignoring it by like being silent about it it's like you're actually kind of just furthering it along i guess i was so yeah. glad that the movie had ended that I didn't, <laughs> it didn't dawn on me but you make a fair point that yeah. she was in her own way an entrepreneur yeah. That she she got there and didn't miss a beat. She mm-hmm. got out and she adapted yeah. immediately, and that's a credit to her yeah. character. But in the end, she's just well, you know. Hey, maybe she's vice president, right? Yeah. No, no, that's right. Dex was the vice president. Oh yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Ah, see, and they missed. There's there's another <laughs> another misstep by this <laughs> film. I know so, you can say that I'm reading into it too much, but no, I, I was I, just yeah. I I was pondering a little bit, and I. I, it was very 2005, as I can see on how they were commenting on, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, like, I was reading a really great piece. It was, like, a blog piece from some uh, internet writer. But he was talking about how it was very, like, elitist, you know, in the in this viewpoint of presenting, like, intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all for, like, pro-intellectual, like, critical thinking because we are so, like – not about critical thinking anymore, you know what I mean? Like it's immediate, Ben. Yeah. Now, tell me now what you think of it. Is it the best or the worst? No in the middle, just answer. Actually, I don't want I don't want to throw a gross blanket generalization, so I'll take that back because I do think the power of social media has given us a platform to actually speak up on these things because like 10 years ago in 2005, we weren't able to. Mm-hmm. And like these films were our only sense of our only gateway of creating these conversations, mm-hmm. even if they were half-assed, which is the sad part. Like this wasn't even the best offer. <laughs> And so I'm thinking, like, just stuff like at the beginning, they show the uh, the two the two contrasting IQs, the high IQ and the low IQ. And the right. low IQ would just happen to be the stereotypical uh, hillbilly folk living in the trailer park. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you really feel bad about that because, like, in the South, is they have a really rich history and, like, great culture and stuff, that, aside from the racism. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just sucks that, like, I, I loved my linguistics class because they taught us that... There's no such thing as proper English, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, like, everything that we've contributed in our speech, in our daily lives, in our vernacular and stuff like that, it contributes to the overall umbrella of English speaker, mm-hmm. speaking or whatever. And what really irked me was, like, the narrator said, you know, once Luke uh, – I keep wanting to say Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> once Luke Wilson got to the future, 
the narrator said, you know, there is no more proper English or something along the lines of this. It's not uh, verbatim. But they, they couldn't understand him because he was too well-spoken. Yeah, he was too well-spoken. They only speak in Valley Girl or, like, uh, inner-city slang, and which really bothered me, TC. And I'll tell you why, because I am so – and this is, like, just to uh, – just on our previous Luke Cage conversation <laughs> in, in the news section um, – yeah. It, it's great because it's so unapologetically black. Yeah, they are not sorry for celebrating hip hop, for celebrating the blackness, for celebrating the way they talk. Mm-hmm. Which, and I hate it when people police the way people talk. African American vernacular is so important to the English language. Like, how often do you hear stuff like, uh, uh, you know, yas and like uh, <laughs> and stuff? So, uh, yeah, and stuff like and cool. Like, do you know where the history of the word or no, not cool? Um, Man. Man. You know, man, stuff like that. That The history behind that is so fascinating, TC, because in, like, big big band swing jazz era days, mm-hmm. like, a, a lot of the backup band was, like, predominantly African-American players. And, um, like, the whoever hired them or whatever would always call them boy. Mm-hmm. Hey, you boy, go over there. Hey, you boy, play on this night, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then they they looked at each other and they said, we're going to start calling each other man because that's, like, a sign of respect amongst yeah. each other. And we're not going to be diminished by them, uh, by the way they speak to us, so we're going to hold ourselves in high regard by calling each other man and stuff like that. Nice. That's cool. That was so cool. And I think, you know, I I don't come from uh, the way of thinking of, like, you know, words are just words. They don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Like, words have massive impact. And so I just thought, like, this is such a, like, I know it's like a throwaway line and everything, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's such, it's thoughtless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying because that's, I can remember, I don't know if it was high school, early college, but people complaining that they were given a test in Oakland yeah. or somewhere in, in Northern California in Ebonics, as a, yes. as you could take. And Ebonics mm-hmm. is the proper term for street language for mm-hmm. the, for the black people. Yeah. like And people complaining like, oh, they're ruining the English language. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate the misuse of commas. And I hate the misuse <laughs> of their, your, mm-hmm. it's like every time I see someone type those tweet, Facebook, whatever, it grates at me for a moment because yeah. it's, it's, it's a completely different word. Yes, I know what you mean, but just for <laughs> the love of God, put the apostrophe in the right place. Like, yeah. but spoken language, we, there's so many colloquialisms and idioms from around the country yeah. that you still know what people are saying. And I I like it when people are amused by idioms as opposed to offended by them. Yeah. Like when people call co- any soda Coke. Yeah. <laughs> or if they, if they say pop. Pop. Yeah, we said pop in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting. But yeah. it's, it's not, oh, how dare you? I don't know, man. It's and, cola. <laughs> and the English language is such like an amalgamation of all these other things mm-hmm. anyway, like cafe or a baguette. Like mm-hmm. that's not our – that's not – "Quote unquote Anglo language." That's that's French. That's Franco yeah. uh, culture. And so, like, I don't know. I just don't understand. Like, I don't know. This is going to a bigger uh, conversation that we can talk later about. But I just, I just think like this this kind of film, while whatever their intentions were, whether it was political or not, I think it's just it can be a little irresponsible sometimes because there were people out there, like people in my circles are saying, yes, you need to see this because this is exactly what's going on right now. I'm just like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot in its, in its commentary that is wrong. 
and wrong in whether it was just lazy comedy Mm. or wrong in that it was ignorant to the facts to, oh, they only speak in street, right? Yeah. Yeah, but we said they speak in Valley Girl, too. Okay, so you then, that's fine. But I love Clueless. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, But filmmaking-wise, it, it, I didn't. I did not like the constant narration in this yeah, movie. It was. It was like you alluded to. It was lazy. It yeah. was a device that I don't often particularly like, unless it's like a Scorsese film. Because <laughs> I feel as though if you're not showing it to us, mm-hmm. you know, then don't try to tell us because that's that's just a way to get yourself further along to get to the next set piece mm-hmm. the exciting set piece or whatever because you're too lazy to do any exposition all right yeah narration can work yeah. I, there are plenty of movies that have wonderful use of narration mm-hmm. um, and there's people who immediately write it off because narration is bad yeah no you can use it badly you can use it well and i i think that th- that this movie made now made with someone made by someone with a little more uh, cinematic creativity you could nix the narration you could make the movie longer but then at the same time i don't like comedies that are two hours long yes thank you so it, like i one of the biggest things that bothers me about judd apatow's movies they're all two and a half hours long way too long and r- really great comedy is tight it's yeah. it's timing that mm-hmm. we when we rewatched wayne's world that's yeah. an 88 minute movie very enjoyable. Mm. I don't know if you, how you feel about it now, two years ago. <laughs> but it gets in, it tells its jokes, it gets out, boom, boom, boom. That's comedy. But uh, Idiocracy could be more than just comedy, mm. and therefore it it could benefit from being a longer movie yeah. because it, could, it would have more to say. Mm. And without the narration, you could show without just moving it along with the storyteller and letting the characters experience the world. There could be more to say here, but at the same time, but th- then again, is it worth doing it? Because we do have Wally that essentially yeah. addresses a lot of these issues in a much more expert way. <laughs> Typically, we will recommend movies to watch in conjunction with the movie we're reviewing, or other than the movie. I think it's clear we're recommending Wally. We're recommending Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I totally agree. Like, I think it just it truly just hit all the mark for me uh, in terms of like. Uh, thematics and as well as cinematically thematically mm-hmm. and cinematically because um like 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 i alluded to earlier like when you are to make a film like this mm-hmm. there needs to be a strong thesis you know what i mean like a strong foundation of what mm-hmm. you're trying to say their thesis was aren't people dumb yeah like <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is farce like i understand it's a farce it's a satire and um, beyond that, all I got was just some snarky quips and some colorful characters being colorful and zany, mm-hmm. and I I just felt nothing. You know, it it was not emotionally or mentally satisfying. So why is this movie held at, at the regard it's held? I, you might not even have an answer for that, yeah. but why do people mm-hmm. love this movie? I even said before watching it, man, I lo- I really like. I I think I love Idiocracy. I mm-hmm. remember, re- and then rewatching, I'm like. I'm glad this is an 88-minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, I that 88 minutes did not feel brisk. It felt like a chore. To so really why does this movie mm-hmm. hold such a special place in people's hearts? I This is another gross blanket generalization. <laughs> I think this kind of movie where there is no... It's not fact-based. It's not research-based. It's not anything where you're experienced amongst, like, 
these, you know, quote unquote, unintellectual communities or whatever. But I, I feel like this is prime, it's ripe for people who consider themselves intellectuals. Mm-hmm. But I would consider themselves, them, those people, uh, pseudo intellectuals. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, like, I, I get into arguments with people like this all the time because they they throw around these malicious salacious like statements about people without ever actually being around people you know do the research <laughs> yeah exactly like i there there's a bigger thought here but i am blanking but i'm just I'm, i guess <laughs> right, just it's, a, the, it's the ice cream man distracting know, i'm here. just i'm just craving ben some really milk is like, chocolate <laughs> he's he's standing right now he wants to run out <laughs> All right, we'll we'll pause right here so you can get some ice cream i'm just <laughs> okay, so yeah. I, I want to keep furthering this discussion on kind of how this movie does reflect what we're going through currently, but let's let's wrap up discussing this movie. I don't think this movie is worth the praise it gets. No. I, I, I genuinely don't think that now. I thought it differently before I watched it, but this this is one of the nice aspects of what we do with this. We rewatch movies all the time, Ben. Mm. We seriously do. I mean, how many times you sat down and popped in Dark Knight? Like, we do it all the time. We have our favorite movies. We watch them all the time. But it's specifically choosing a movie to rewatch and pay attention to mm. that I that I like this podcast for. Because I might not have popped in Idiocracy. I might have eh, maybe it would have popped up on TV and I would have half paid attention to it. Yeah. But sitting down and going, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch this and reevaluate it and see where I'm at now. Mm. That that I like that th- this podcast for. Mm. So yes. um, I, I don't think this is worth its praise. I don't think that this is one you should even rush out to see unless, unless you are like a devout Mike judge fan, then you've probably already seen this movie. Mm. Um, but if you love Beavis and Butthead, if you love uh, King of the Hill and you want to see how much better Silicon Valley is now mm. compared to what he was t- uh, 10 years ago, then sure. Watch Idiocracy. Mike Judge's office space is brilliant. Yes. I I even would go so far as to say, for adults, office space is probably the greatest comedy. Well, no. Yes, definitely. Because so much if you've had a job, yeah. Yeah. you get it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be an office job. Yeah. It's just a job. If mm. you have had a job in your life, office space is perfect for Welcome you. Welcome to shenanigans. And it, and it, yeah, right? <laughs> here's your, here's your flair, but... That movie, even it came. It's a nineteen ninety nine film. Yeah, still holds up mm. incredibly well because it's so aptly, uh, it's so apt to to the the feelings of working in a. I can't even put it towards right now. It's so good, Ben. It is good movie. I, and I this think, not good movie. <laughs> this this good. This bad. Idiocracy bad. Office space good. <laughs> Now time to plug myself into the boob tube. Um, <laughs> no, you make a totally great point about Office Space, and I think it's because it's telling a very simple story in a simple way, but it's a lot more thoughtful in terms of its execution and the way it's portraying its thematics. Because, mm-hmm. yes, anyone who has a job understands it. And why? It's because we, as the audience, and Mike Judge, who presents the movie, understand the kind of social hierarchy that's presented in the corporate ladder mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It, whether you work at a movie theater or McDonald's, or in an office, or McDonald's <laughs> yeah, there's always someone higher up on you and there's always someone trying to stand on you mm-hmm. and you get that. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that's it. That's the theme. And I feel like this is that and trying to be on a, a more ambitious level. Idiocracy. Yeah. Um is trying to be that, but on a more cerebral ambitious level. 
but it that's that's all it did was try in terms of um in terms of uh thinking about the concept instead of executing the concept mm-hmm. and it, it's sad because i think just to wrap up my points here i think this is kind of whether it's satire or farcical i think it's the worst way of looking at humanity is is the cynicism mm-hmm. that's kind of what i got from the film it, it it made me feel ugly rather than hopeful mm-hmm. and i'm not expecting like disney balloons and, <laughs> and, and tear and bluebirds happy ending yeah <laughs> but i mean like say something to be productive rather than we we know we suck but <laughs> how can we unsuck you know what i mean like be like the un un-nazi the nazi <laughs> you know, that's the only part that we're actually laughed out loud <laughs> was the nazi dinosaur and then came the un yeah. who who un-nazied the world but yeah just to wrap up my thoughts i i feel like i i like where they were going with it mm-hmm. but i didn't like how they presented it mm-hmm. Um, I like Terry Crews. I like I like Maya Rudolph. I love Maya. Rudolph. I love Maya Rudolph. She's. I, I think Luke Wilson makes a good everyman, but without the support of a better supporting cast, mm. he kind of just is bland. Like <laughs> he was the, exposed. Um, uh, uh, old school. Yes, He's, that's that's a perfect role for Luke Wilson because Absolutely. you put Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn next to him. Mm. You can have Luke Wilson be your main character yeah. and follow him as the protagonist and have some good support around him. Yes. That and and shows the benefit and why the supporting actor is so damn important in movies. Mm. <laughs> <And> why <laughs> sometimes the supporting actor deserves that Oscar. Yeah, sometimes they're the engine. <laughs> <laughs> do you recommend the movie? Yes or no? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. This is a very low, low unrecommended. I feel like if there's so much good satirist films out there, mm-hmm. you know, anything by Mel Brooks, <laughs> anything by Leslie Nelson, you don't need to see this. Those are pa- <laughs> yeah, better parody films. Yeah. Obviously. Um, now, looking at the state of where we are now, we are less than a month away, Ben, mm-hmm. from – they say this every time. But I, I think that more than ever, the most important presidential election in modern history. Mm-hmm. We are – we have two <laughs> – we have <laughs> Trump and Clinton. Mm-hmm. And whatever your political leanings may be, how – can anyone vote for Donald Trump? I don't know. Mm. I'm not. I'm not going to spend the next 15 minutes of ch- talking, telling anyone to vote for Hillary Clinton. That, yeah. uh, that's not what I'm going to do. But the Atlantic did today. <laughs> Good for the Atlantic. <laughs> I. We don't have to do that. Okay. Yes. Mm. It, it serves no purpose. And and in normal normal elections, <laughs> yeah. there's no point in trying to sway someone's opinion one way or the other. Mm. I can remember for the Kerry Bush election. Yes. Uh, was it Kerry Bush? No, no. I'm sorry. McCain and, and Obama. The the first. Yeah. Obama. Yeah. I can remember our friend Tessa and Mike going at it for like an extended period of time. Yeah, they were both texting me, like, at the same time. Like, can you believe they said this? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And and I and watching them get in the mix, I had to. T- I really had to tell Mike because Tessa is not a, an aggravated person. Yeah. <laughs> like Mike, you are never going to change her opinion. Hmm. Don't bother. That's just how it is. People, you're setting your decision, and no one's going to change. And that's typical of typical elections. Yeah. In this one, how can you vote for Trump? It's astonishing, but I can see, I can see not why, or I can see not how, but I can see why. You know, and it's it's kind of ridiculous. And and that's why this kind of movie, *Idiocracy*, that tries to portray. This is just my assumption and my. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, interpretation mm-hmm. because Mike Judge says he's not uh, he's nonpartisan. Yeah, yeah. But uh, coming out of that time of the Bush administration, everyone, especially in the entertainment industry, very critical of that administration. Administration. Mm-hmm. I can see this film being something as like being very critical of uh, conservative culture and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and conservative people in general. And I I just want folks to know that's kind of dangerous to assume that because some of the most powerful riches and most smartest people are republican Mm -hmm. and like to stop them we need to create positive and productive discourse because like like you said you're not going to change their mind Mm. but you can get them to understand you yeah there's there's a big difference with with trump there there's so many quote-unquote conservative ideals that he (laughs) quote-unquote represents yeah the the one i'm i'm like going to try my best in the next 30 days to really point out to people because i will say again you can't in a normal situation there's no use trying to change someone's opinion if Mm. someone has a trump poster or is liking trump you're not gonna you're not gonna change them in normal circumstances but this is not normal circumstances and the thing i i want people to acknowledge is if if you are claiming to vote for the republican ticket Mm. based on your christian beliefs you are wrong, <laughs> okay? Because Trump does not represent Christian beliefs. Yes, he built his career on casinos. He's mm-hmm. had three wives. He's cheated on two of them. That alone is not Christian values. Yeah. If you are truly voting on Christian values alone, you are you should vote for the Constitution Party mm. and Daryl Castle because that is the true Christian. Um, uh, nominee. Yeah. If you truly claim to be voting on your Christian ideals, then you cannot vote for Trump because you are lying to yourself. <laughs> I, I just mouthed off off mic. I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, 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 my my mother votes on one issue, hmm. and it's and it's her Christian beliefs, and. I am trying to tell her she's voting incorrectly, which is not my position. I'm not trying to get her to vote for Hillary as the opposite ticket. Hmm. I'm telling her she can't vote for Trump because that's not the that's not the person who represents what she truly believes in. Hmm. And I say that to any of the Christians who might be listening to this, how can you say that you are voting based on your faith yeah. and voting for Trump, hmm. who is xenophobic, hmm. narcissistic, money Obs- uh, he's man i'm freaking out <laughs> and on top of that if you want to look at it pragmatically through a pragmatic prism he has no experience yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it just sucks to see like whatever you think about hillary clinton and whatnot mm-hmm. like i have i have uh quarrel qualms with her but mm-hmm. this woman has been a lawyer She's been in politics all of her life in every position from secretary of state to the first lady to senator. Mm-hmm. Um, she has loads of experience. And whatever she's done with that experience is like, yes, we can talk about that in a contextual level later. But as of right now, she has literal experience <laughs> over literal zero experience. Like- I'm um, looking at these two <laughs> resumes. I see that you have experience. And actually, a lot of you people at this interview have experience. Yeah. Um, do you have any experience? <laughs> oh, you don't. I'm afraid you're going to have to leave the room. Okay, now everyone with experience, let's have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes to show, like, kind of, it's, I, I love thinking about privileges because it, it puts in a context in how 
far people do go hmm. and like money gets you far man like in, in a ridiculous way because this the the common like phrase that i'm hearing about this election is like i can't believe this is happening <laughs> yeah. well you best believe it because this has been in the making forever we've been fueling the fire but now is the time to stop it yes. <laughs> we need to put this thing out yeah I, I i tweeted out like yes donald is like i'm, I'm just tired of talking about donald trump in general like mm-hmm. I, why are we always covering the tyrant and not the oppressives you know what i mean mm-hmm. because like xenophobia racism misogyny and like just homophobia in general has existed long before he came along. Mm-hmm. You know, once he got his platform, he just brought the gasoline. Like this guy did not invent those things. <laughs> <laughs> we have been perpetuating it forever. So, like, if you want to start being productive, start now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the time to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> no, like last year was the time to stop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. And and were if God help us, uh, if if he wins. We are moving ourselves towards an idiocracy. It's very – look, we, we – even through the past eight years, the amount of gridlock has yeah. been crazy. Mm. Go back the previous eight years. The amount of gridlock has been getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. With each divisive president that takes office, the amount of bickering between the two sides of the aisle mm. and the poor – Third, fourth, fifth, sixth parties who don't even have a voice in the in this game yeah. are just they're non-existent. So it's just these two giants arguing with each other, not doing anything. It just keeps getting worse. Mm. And if people think the last eight years has been bad, how could they possibly think another uh, four years of Donald Trump <laughs> is going to be better? Yeah. How is he? He's the whole "Make America Great Again" is mm. just. I that is the worst. <laughs> that is the worst, Ben. <laughs> It it's uh it's a horseshit assumption, see, <laughs> like to put it very blatantly, because like there are aspects of this country that is fantastic, mm-hmm. but there's so much to be worked on, TC. Like, and and that's why I appreciate President Obama so much. Like, say what you will about what has happened, but uh, people are just like, especially on uh, on the opposition, they have opposed him and blocked his, you know, these very, these bills and these rights that it could, like, be very productive mm-hmm. for, like, marginalized communities, but they're just blocking him just to block him, like this 9-11 bill. Yes, the 9-11 bill that yeah. just took place yeah. where he said, we, can't, I'm vetoing this yeah. because it'll be bad and set a bad precedent for our country and its mm. people. Well, uh, we're going to just have to pass it because we do everything the opposite of President Obama. <laughs> Boy, I wish he would have warned us about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was mind-boggling, what they said later after the fact. <laughs> oh, we're going to blame the president on this one. Like, you cannot be serious. <laughs> I mean, in, in his time in office, he, he was able to pass. He was able to legalize gay marriage mm-hmm. and, and and pass, like, and, like, um, uh, abolish um, standardized testing and no child left behind in general, which mm-hmm. is so fantastic if you talk to, like, now, I talked to a lot of my educator friends. They're just like, now we can finally teach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't have to teach them the test. We can actually teach them about life and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's just so, like, how can you not be um, joyful about that? Like, I am I was just talking I was talking to Mike Tubman last night, actually. Like, I, I, I feel these last eight years, I've, I felt so good about being American. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing. Despite, despite yeah. the issues we are facing, yes, with, with a lot of the racism and sexism and whatnot. But. 
those have always been there. It's yeah. just the cameras are getting better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the social media is getting better, which is a good thing. It's a good mm-hmm. thing to show us how bad things are. <laughs> yeah, and and like and not only that, um, I, I do know like that once something like that comes out, we we tend to think the worst immediately. That's our knee jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. But what I really notice, especially like in times of tragedy, I always think about Mister Rogers' quote about look look for the people who's helping. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's all of us. I always see people like, especially. Okay, this is a little bit tangent, but I, just, I promise you, there's, a, <laughs> there's, it makes sense. There's a correlation. Um, so, Fox News uh, two days ago um, on the O'Reilly Factor, they do a segment, uh, a man on the street style segment with mm-hmm. um, their correspondent uh, Jesse Waters, and he did a segment, and it was he went to Chinatown to ask the Chinese American voters about their thoughts on Trump, mm-hmm. and. And instead of actually asking asking them like concrete questions or like productive questions about politics, it was more like, um, "Are you a ninja? Do you know karate? Uh, like, uh, how much can I pay you to like do the song and dance and blah blah?" blah. And just it's just all this very ridiculous things that like I'm kind of desensitized to right now. But they I, were literally asking people this: "Are you a ninja?" Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. This is not. I am not making this up. I. I would tell you to go see it, but I don't want you to give the link. The views. The so please continue, though. I need to know where you're going with this. Like. Yeah, and and I'm just thinking like immediately when I saw that, I thought of my grandma because a lot of the people that they were picking on were our elderly, our community's elders, mm-hmm. and it was just pissing me off so much, TC, because like it's one thing to take a shot at me. At least I can defend myself because I can speak English. But my grandma. She is a bright, brilliant woman who has raised eight children on her own and eight grandchildren on her own. And she is the matriarch of our family. Mm -hmm. And to see someone like her being harassed like that, disrespected like that, you know what I mean? Like I'm mad right now. Why would they do it? What was their points? What were they? They were, I don't know. We don't know what people think of Trump. Hey, you're Asian. Yeah. Do you like rice? <laughs> exactly. And what does that have to do with the the topic? Totally, man. And to add fuel to a fire even more, like after they showed that segment, him and O'Reilly kind of just you know I laughed it off and just like, oh, Asians, you know they're they're such polite people. Like we just were asking them over and over this question, but they you know they wouldn't leave because they were just so nice and they just they didn't say anything, but they just stood there and blah blah blah. And like, I didn't know what to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just and yeah. and to bring it back to the point. Um, Oh, Mr. Rogers quote, you know, he, he quoted his mother by saying, like, you know, whenever a tragedy strikes, look for people that's helping because mm-hmm. there's always going to be people helping. And I, I noticed right away all, all my, you know, obviously our Asian-American community is very vocal about it. And we started a petition on change.org. You can sign it. Um, <laughs> and it's gathered like 5,000 signatures already within the last six hours. And, and uh, um, the point was, like, everyone – just not Asian Americans, but all of my friends were coming out and, and speaking about speaking about this, and it was covered in the New York Times, L.A. Times, Times, Atlantic, mm-hmm. it was all the major publications. Like a lot of people are seeing this, you know what I mean? Like as as marginalized as our voices are now, like people are starting to become awakened to the fact that you know this this is this is bullcrap, and we're not going to stand for it anymore. And I'm I'm just so glad to be living not only in the area of the era of the digital age where mm-hmm. we're, we're gaining so much information in so quick of a time, but mm-hmm. also in the era of Barack Obama <laughs> because just you – know, he has done so much, but even just setting that aside, having a black face in the most powerful, powerful position in this country mm-hmm. has done so much for marginalized voices all over. Mm-hmm. Like I will always thank Martin Luther King 
for marching on Selma. And I always thank Rosa Parks for not taking the back seat. Mm -hmm. And I will always thank Barack Obama for all the things he's done in the White House with his power because that has set a precedent that's trickled down to other marginalized communities to now where we can have a platform and have our voices be heard. And, like, it's such a powerful thing. And, and that's why this upcoming election is, like you said, so critical and so frightening. <laughs> because, like, if he does, if say, hypothetically, he does, Donald Trump does get elected, like, I may have the luxury to move to Canada. <laughs> but someone like my grandma wouldn't, you know what I mean? The, and so I'm, I'm thinking, like, we have to stand and, like, fight back, man. Mm-hmm. These, these, one of the saddest aspects of the of of this asshole's success mm. is how many people support him. Yeah. Because even if he loses, those people are still there, and they've come out into the light. Yeah, and that's shameful mm-hmm. to to think these things, to say the things that people say, yeah. is inexcusable and inhumane mm-hmm. to to yell the n word at people. From from the, of Muslim faith, yeah, because everyone's a terrorist, right? Like mm-hmm. that that completely ignorant look at life, yeah. is idiotic, yeah. And we and we are we're moving to an idiocracy if this man is going to represent those voices. Mm-hmm. You you're you're crediting um, Barack Obama and his position as a representation of the marginalized people that mm-hmm. can rise up. Look, you can have the most most. Uh, important position in this world you can be the president of the united states mm-hmm. as as a as a minority as a marginalized human being mm-hmm. by pointing someone as hateful and ignorant in the most posi- powerful position of power we are giving the same message yeah and we can't do that absolutely if if you are if there any sort of human being who who believes in the right of the rightness of things yeah. and and the and the justice of the world and how can you be a woman who supports someone so misogynistic how can you be a person of any form of color to report to support someone so openly racist mm. and and we just watched a piece on Sam B's full frontal about the governor of Maine the governor of Maine is a terrible human being <laughs> Who who I won't let Syrians into my state. They're all terrorists. Mm. Like that mentality exists, yeah. and he's running the state of Maine. Yes, it's so disturbing. He said to bring Whoa. back the guillotine. <laughs> Public Whoa. executions. Like this is a guy running a state. <laughs> yeah, and and I am so blessed to be living in like this bubble that is Southern California. You know, we we. We get a lot of great people who, who kind of understand this and have, like, really healthy dialogue about it. But, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Just – I did not experience anything overt, but, like, just going over from state to state, um, you do notice a discrepancy mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, talking about race or sex or gender. And, it's it's dangerous. Yeah. Even even recording this podcast today, I know we're stepping on thin ice with mm-hmm. a lot – with some of our listeners. Yeah. We don't tend – we get very socially conscious. I think this podcast can get very socially conscious. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying <laughs> that. But we tend, Guilty. We, tend to, we tend not to get too political. Mm. Uh, I, I don't feel like we have in the past gotten too political. This is yeah. the most political I feel like we've been because I'm coming yeah. right out and saying don't freaking <laughs> vote for this guy. Yeah. And I believe you mean like not intentionally like uh, – um, Oh, God, the word. 
correct. <laughs> <laughs> like giving a platform for a specific candidate, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not trying to look. I, and I, I tried to start by saying I'm not here to support to to give. I'm not here to say vote for Hillary. I'm yeah. not here to say vote for a third party. I'm saying don't <laughs> vote for Donald Trump. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, no, I, I think and that conversation that you're trying to bring is absolutely important because you're trying to get people to think about not who I want to vote for, but why do I want to vote for this person? Yes. Because why, why does this person represent you? Why do you want this person to represent this country? Yeah. And then that tells a lot about you. Yes. Who you have represent you mm. says everything about you. Absolutely. Okay. If yeah. you if you want to vote for Gary Johnson, that's fine. But <laughs> but but let's let's keep in mind he doesn't believe in a mi- minimum wage. Yes. Okay. Yes. How important is a minimum wage? A minimum. <laughs> a minimum wage. Okay. <laughs> the the least amount you could be paid for work is an important thing to have. Okay. <laughs> but, but there there goes into a, an aspect of the of who gets into office. Who are they going to be able to work with? Yes. Everyone loved Bernie Sanders. That's fine. Ber- mm. Bernie Bernie had some amazing ideas, but how was he going to execute a lot of those mm. ideas? People like Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, Jill Stein, who doesn't believe in vaccinations. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike Pence, our our potential one heartbeat away from most important position in this oh world, believes in gay conversion camps that yes. you can faith the gay out of people and anti-women reproductive rights yeah, that that he signed a bill that or he tried to pass a bill that required women who had miscarriages to have funerals oh for their babies yeah who do you want to represent you and this country mm-hmm. yes yes hillary lied but did she lie any more than any normal politician in this world <laughs> yes hillary is has been accused of treason. Mm. Yes, she was brought 11 hours in front of a congressional hearing for the mistakes of Benghazi. Mm. Yes, yes, yes to all of that. But that is nothing compared to the crazy that is Donald Trump. (laughs) I I think it's very naive to assume that politics is not a game. Yeah. Like being... She's great at the game. That's why you can hate... Don't hate Hillary. Hate the game. (laughs) (laughs) She's playing it expertly. Mm. As evilly as any Republican or Democrat ever has. Yes. Sure. <laughs> and that that is scary in a certain regard, but like in terms of the game, mm-hmm. like there's something inherently misogynistic about criticizing Hillary but not criticizing anyone else that's yes. playing that same game. Oh, I'm sorry. Is she a liar? So's Donald Trump. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a, literally a video of them fact-checking him saying stuff like, oh, I didn't say China didn't. Yes, you did. Uh, blame. Yeah, yes, you did. Yes, you did. China, China, China. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pronounced Gina. Gina. Uh, that was a spot-on impersonation. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> um many more thoughts that I had. Well, we, we, we should wrap up this section, I think. Okay. Because we could go on all day. Um, yeah. But when it comes down to it, this, this, <laughs> yeah, and we could continue this, mm-hmm. uh, but this, this podcast at its core is about film. Yes. And getting into social commentary like we tend to do is, is wonderful mm-hmm. because film, the best of film reflects the best of humanity. Yes. And the worst of humanity. Mm-hmm. And movies like Idiocracy, though shallow and, and very missing a lot of what could could make it great, or what people assume make it makes it great, short sighted, is still yeah. is still offering up 
the conversation. Yes, like the, what we just had for the last half hour yeah. just came out from that garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make one yeah. uh, movie recommendation? Sure. I just thought about it right now. Yeah. Okay. This is this is a cop out answer because I use it for everything. Mm-hmm. Dark Knight, <laughs> and I only say that because I, I think about what Donald Trump's doing, the trail that he's blazing. He is the Joker in, like, in the many Joker. ways because like the the Republican Party's power is diminishing so much because like. You know, uh, more old white people are dying, and millennials are, do not buy into that mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, socialization. And so, who do these like? Who are who's left? Whoever's left is desperate to turn to someone that they don't understand. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because, like, what else can we do but just roll the dice on this guy? Because we literally have no other candidate, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of funny. And 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 once they they decide to put him on as their representative they immediately regretted it <laughs> he's yeah. uh why are you burning that stack of money oh yeah. don't worry it's mine <laughs> they're, they're the mobsters that are getting off by the joker and burning mm-hmm. and getting their money burned by him and that, so it's a perfectly apt yeah uh parallel to it if 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 i could recommend a movie there's there's so many wonderful films about the commentary of too much government control and the wrong people put in the position of powers look at v for vendetta I, I love V for Vendetta. Anyway, by Alan Moore, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and though the comic by Alan Moore has some significant differences from the film done by uh, – produced by the Wachowskis. Uh, Joel Silver, I believe, is the director of that one. James Mateague, Joel Silver produced. Yeah. Um, the movie offers up the, – the government should fear its people. The people shouldn't fear its government. Mm-hmm. And putting anyone into, a, into such a dangerous position of power – should be feared, and that's not how it should go. No. Having someone so volatile with so in, much inexperience, mm. so much hate in their heart, yeah. in a position of power, is dangerous. Absolutely. And like... Like the Joker and like Big Brother. In, in <laughs> yeah, the, in exactly. The, and, and, the, and our government and our constitution is set up to empower us, the people. Mm-hmm. And like when we start to uh, lose grip on that power, that there's something wrong. Someone's abusing that power. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, um, where was I going with this? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so just to quote Alan Moore, and you know, like the most one of the lines that always sticks in my head is, "Who watches the Watchmen?" And mm-hmm. Watchmen, one of our favorite graphic novels. And so, like, we have to be the ones to check them. You know, like that. That's why it's so important to vote. I, I got really pissed off yesterday, TC. Oh, I got a, a parking citation. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make me mad too. A meter by one minute. <laughs> I, I saw the meter made. I ran up to it. I'm right here. Nope, nope. Too late. It's like totally Zootopia mode. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it like, okay, I got a parking citation in Boston for my rental car, and it was like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I assumed it was going to be that. Yeah. It's $63 <laughs> in West Hollywood, people. Why? And this is because we didn't vote. We Because of our... It, because of our lack of – because of our apathy, these people who you know don't represent us and our views are getting to office and setting all these crazy, crazy laws that are charging us money. And, like, I'm sorry I'm going on, like, a huge no, that's right. soapbox, but it's, it's, that's why it's so important to vote. Like, it, it's not just the president. Mm-hmm. It's everything around us, yes, too. <laughs> North, North Carolina. Yeah. And the bill that allows people to discriminate against people they think might be gay yes. and refusing them service. There's a great segment on the most recent episode of The Daily Show, which would be the October 4th Daily Show, about Jordan Klepper and um, uh, Roy Jr. went out and had a taco cart yeah. and would refuse service to people because they looked gay. 
He would come up and be like, hey, what do you want? Yeah, no, sorry, I can't help you. Um, yeah. I think you know why. Yeah. Not here, man. Not here. And it must it was it was beautiful satire. Yeah. And it must have been so hard for those two guys to yeah. do that because and like in the end they're like, relax. We gave everybody free tacos in the end. Mm. <laughs> but they were allowed to do that yeah. because of a law that was passed in North Carolina that allows that. Yeah. And everyone they did it to in that short little sampling was like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, this law was passed. You should have voted. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so we we still have – we'll surely do another episode before um, the election. I would love to, man. Yeah. Wow, uh, and I actually really would – <laughs> I, I would love to do the movie Election. That was my first yes. suggestion oh, for you. Oh, you know what? That was my other recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm going to watch that again. <laughs> I mean a, a lifelong dreamer of holding – the presidential office hmm. versus a complete cool guy meathead. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I think we might do election for the election. Okay. For sure. And we can, we can surely continue this, this conversation. Don't um, call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening to this segment. We're going to move into news and tweets and we'll get to answering some of your questions I picked for today. But uh, what do you guys think? What do you think about idiocracy? What do you think about some of the things we had to say here? I know I'm going to step on some of your toes, but I want to initiate conversation. That's the most important thing. Conversation and dialogue, not aggression. (laughs) You know, hold on. I just want to do a quick little thing. I can't – there was – I have two friends arguing, Hmm. right? And I'm just trying to play Switzerland. One of them is right. Yes. The other one – is wrong mm. but the one who is right has so much cursing and everything he has to say mm. it diminishes his point of being right mm. therefore making the one who's wrong be sympathetic mm. like hey i'm right f f f whoa 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 <laughs> so yes i would like to initiate this this is this conversation dialogue what what are your thoughts? What are your feelings on the movie? On everything we had to say politically about? Don't vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> oh man, TC, I, this this is not part of the segment or anything, but I, I think we should do like a, a entire presidential podcast. That'd be really fun, like a voting party. Because I remember we posed a question on Facebook a long time ago about who's your favorite movie president. Yeah, I want to bring yeah. that back. That's a, that was okay, a fun question. Okay, <laughs> you know, wait, let's let's do that for our next episode. Then let's okay. do election. And let's let's bring in that conversation specifically yes. about. Yeah, we won't we won't spend time on news. We won't do. Tw- we'll just we'll review the movie mm-hmm. and move right into who are your favorite. So start thinking now, folks. We'll put you can we can put the tweet out. We can put the Facebook post out. But who's your favorite film and television president? Yes. So all right. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and let's come back and want to discuss some current events. Let's do it. All right. Blah. <laughs> oh, Candace, any thoughts?
right. So uh, there you go. That was the, the movie review section. Now we can talk about current events and news and cool stuff like that. Ben, do you have any news stories? Oh, man. That's right. I'll launch one. <laughs> there we go. Okay. First up, Stan Lee has filmed his the... next four cameos. Okay. I've heard of this. I think this is a precautionary measure. Ah, uh, so sad. He's, <laughs> he's reaching the the end of his life. Yeah, but uh, we can we can rest assured that there are four cameos at least. So we have, I'm guessing, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, two Avenger movies, Thor, oh, and Thor. Infinity, okay. or, uh, Avengers three. Yeah, that's my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also Spider Man in there, so maybe yes. he filmed. Maybe he already filmed. Doctor Strange, since mm-hmm. that comes out in like a month. Yeah. So then maybe it was Spider-Man was the fourth one in there. but um, And the series is, does he do cameos in the series? Netflix has had him like photographical oh, okay. in the back. I don't, I don't think he's had any physical appearances yeah. in the Netflix shows. Um, in Big Hero 6, he had a drawing at the police station. Yeah. And he had the cameo at the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He wasn't in Fan 4 Stick. He was not? Yes, he, he requested to not be involved in that Damn. one. Damn. <laughs> was he in Apocalypse? That's all the writing in the wall we needed. <laughs> was he in Apocalypse? I don't recall if he was. I wonder if he's in any non-Marvel produced Marvel films anymore. Oh, yeah. I can't hmm. think of, was he in Days of Future Past? He was in Deadpool. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he was. the DJ at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Next to the stage. <laughs> Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> hey there, true believers. It's it's a sad fact, but the man is in his 90s. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the, it's, the time is coming. I, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that they will continue to pay homage to him in whatever comes after him yeah. post-mortem. Um, but that, that is a bit sad to think that he is reaching the end of his life, but it's also kind of nice that they would kind of prepare for this in, in filming four at once in one day. They yeah. filmed four in one day. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess that's not that's that's the whole story. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. Um, the man's a living legend. I think he's prepping for his last Comic Con too, or something like that. I might be wrong. Don't want to spread rumors, <laughs> but I think he's done with the touring and all that stuff mm-hmm. too. Now, 2016's been tough. For this generation of people. Yeah. Uh, people like to, oh, 2016 is the worst in celebrity deaths ever. It's, no, it's just now it's hitting the most socially conscious, like not socially conscious, socially active, social networkly yeah, active. Yeah, it's Because uh, every, every year mm. there's people that are lost and a great number of them. It's just the fact that so many millennials are losing people they know yeah. <laughs> that 2016. And 2016 has taken a lot of very, very fine performers, entertainers. and Yeah, some of the best at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully Stanley can make it to 2017. Come on, Stan. <laughs> Count on you. All right, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it for a new story. That was pretty um... – No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> um, the, the Batman – Ooh, yes. Okay, so what what have you heard about the Ben Affleck Batman movie? What have you heard? All I've seen is obviously the title announcement and uh, a, a shot of Deathstroke. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I have some news for you. Ooh. Ben Affleck has said there is no Batman movie yet. There's no title. There's no script. Okay. They are still trying to come up with a script yeah. and a budget. They've just off he offhandedly comments commented oh yeah we're, we're calling it the batman or the batman movie or a batman movie that 
offhanded. Yeah. And the next day it was title uh, title announced for the Batman movie. No, he, it was just a yeah. We're working on that. There's yeah. no script. There's no budget. Deathstroke is not in it. Oh really? Yes. Which probably means Deathstroke's in Justice League. Okay. Yeah. Or Ben Affleck's playing coy, but he seemed a little annoyed mm. that there was this huge announcement that the title to the movie was announced. <laughs> nope. There is no Batman movie yet. I always thought it was longed rumor that it was going to be called The Batman anyway. I mean, yeah. that could be the placeholder title. Which is so lame. <laughs> <laughs> what, else, what else would they call it? Batfleck begins! <laughs> <laughs> well, like... There, there's only so many titles you can have for a Batman That's movie. <laughs> they haven't used Batman Triumphant yet. And the they long could rumor do Jill's, uh, what's his name again? Was it Darren Aronofsky? It was Joel, uh, I forgot his last name, Batman Robin director. Oh, Schumacher. Schumacher. Right, yes. <laughs> that was the sequel to Batman Robin. Oh, boy. Did you hear about this project? I did, yes. <laughs> Where Madonna was going to play Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. and she was going to take vengeance upon, which the Joker was her father. And yep. In this canonical iteration. <laughs> and he was going to be gassed with, yeah. with fear gas from the Scarecrow that he would then have to face off against all the villains from all four movies previous. Yes. Jack Nicholson would come back, Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones. That's the trip the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite fascinating to me to follow the history of a, of a movie, like a movie that takes forever to get made, mm. and just how much stays I've said this before about Man of Steel and and Batman versus Superman, and how much of those scripts contain stuff from Kevin Smith's script. Yeah, that John Peters having his thumb in this pie the entire time was influential on Brit. So the fact that Joel Schumacher was going to do Scarecrow, and Scarecrow showed up in Batman Begins, shows a little bit of that. I, I think shows a little bit of that whole. Well, here's what we were going to do. What yeah. do you like from it? Well, we like this one page. <laughs> With Spider-Man. Yeah. What's the next villain for Spider-Man? Spider-Man Vulture. Homecoming. Yeah. Who was supposed to be the fourth villain for Raimi? Vulture. Vulture. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I'm like, can't you just go from scratch? I, I, it does. It's too much of a coincidence to be coincidence. Yeah. That they've clearly had Vulture in mind at Sony mm-hmm. for a decade now. I almost feel like that's a... Uh... Executive push. Like, yeah. We want this. Try to build around this. Yeah. Well, you can do whatever you want. It's just Vulture's got to be the villain. And then the trick is, as an artist, yeah. the filmmaker has to figure out how to appease the producers without compromising a good film. Yes. Because <laughs> then you get Venom. Oh. And you get Topher Grace as Venom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, how do you how do you feel, um, hypothetically speaking, about Deathstroke being the villain? I think that's great. Yeah. I was just talking to my friend Jim last night about Deathstroke, and in in – the past decade, Deathstroke went from a Teen Titans villain to one of the best physical threats to the superheroes in the DC Comics universe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to Identity Crisis, the comic, and Teen Titans Go, where Deathstroke Slade, so they couldn't call him Deathstroke because they have the word <laughs> death in a character's name. And, and and thus confusing people when you say Deathstroke and then Slade. Oh, that's the same that's the same guy. Oh, I, I know Miss Slade. <laughs> I think he's a good villain. He is the anti-Captain America. Yes. <laughs> he's a super soldier who used his powers to be a bad guy. Yeah. A mercenary for hire. But uh, he's he's a good physical threat, and people want to see Batman punch someone. Mm. Like an actual hand-to-hand. Yeah. I, one of the best 
fights in uh, the Batman video game Pantheon was that Arkham fight. Arkham Origins. Origins. It's the opening, the, the shipyard yeah. fight, right? With Deathstroke and Batman. That was super yeah. fun to if, play. Do yourself a favor, people listening. If, you have not, if you're not aware of this, just go online, go to YouTube, look up Batman Origins Deathstroke fight. Mm-hmm. And it's this great full motion video. Do people still say FMV for video game <laughs> full motion videos? It's an animated f- short film. Yeah. Oh, certainly. And I... I don't know if this was confirmed, but Joe Magliano mm-hmm. was cast as Deathstroke. Is that true? Or is that yes, I did hear. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. So Flash Thompson is Deathstroke. <laughs> uh, Norman Osborn. Norman Norman Osborn is also in it. Uh, William Defoe has a role in Aquaman. What? <laughs> yeah, and and J. Jonah Jameson is yeah. Commissioner Gordon. Oh yeah, that's true. Lots of Spider-Man connections. We They're coaching the players. I don't think we've talked about this. I think I've I talked. I know I talked about this on on. Think the Crocodile Dundee podcast, which you probably didn't listen to. What you what you guys talk about? The kid trying to audition to be Robin. Ryan Potter. Yeah. Yeah. For or against? I haven't seen him on many things. Like the only thing I know him from was Big Hero Six. Big Hero Six. He's a voice yeah. voice actor, mm-hmm. but I do know he's a trained martial artist, mm-hmm. so that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm for it. I'm against it. Oh, you're against it. I am <laughs> fully against it. Is he bad? No, it doesn't matter if he's bad or not. He yeah. can be the stunt man. Okay. And I'm not saying he couldn't be a capable Robin, but that audition should not be his audition. Because the uh, last time we let a martial artist who was very good give us an internet audition, we got Aang from The Last Airbender, uh, who was perfectly physical, cap- physically capable yeah. of the part, but he was not an actor. That's now, granted, true. this dude has voice acting experience, but I, I say no – Give it to Glenn from Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all oh for my it. Gosh. Like uh, an a Asian, rumor. an Asian American yeah. uh, Robin would be fantastic. And there have been artists who have drawn Tim Drake as Asian in appearance. Yeah, and Bruce Tim for long for the longest time has openly said Akira, one of the greatest anime, is yeah. has, is like the direct influence to the animated series. Yeah. Um, I, I do know Ryan Potter is like Disney back, so he's in a bunch of Disney projects mm-hmm. that I haven't seen, but. Like he's he's active. He's not just voice acting, but if, I, I've seen Steve Yun like in a uh, Photoshop n- uh, Nightwing mm-hmm. costume. I was like, yes, I'm all for it. <laughs> he, he's Dick Grayson. Yeah, he's Dick Grayson. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with that because I can trust that that guy knows how to act. Yes, and no offense to what, Ryan Potter is that his name. Yeah, that was an amazing, fun YouTube video, mm-hmm. but that does not equal a great movie performance. Yeah, and so I'm I'm against it. I'm wondering, my it, mind would just be blown if they both got cast. <laughs> <laughs> what, one's Tim Drake and one's Dick Grayson? Yeah, that, that totally would make sense. Because, I mean, like, Steve Yun is, like, 31, 32. Mm. He's, like, kind of old for Robin. But he'd be perfect for Nightwing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was such a cool video, but yeah. it was no better than a hundred other YouTube videos of people kicking yeah. ass. There's the fan-made Spider-Man um, short film where it's an Asian guy playing Spider-Man and he's yeah. captured at the beginning. He breaks out and he kicks a whole bunch of ass. That dude is awesome. That does not mean that would make a good feature <laughs> film. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. It was very reminiscent of, uh, what's that Hunger Kids, Hunger Games kid's name? Peter? Peter? Uh, Peter Malark? Peter Malark. What was his real name? Oh, Josh, uh, Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Yeah. He did a video audition for Spider-Man mm-hmm. when, before Garfield got cast. <laughs> it kind of was reminiscent of that, reminded me of that. But he, he's not good, though. If, <laughs> you know, if only it was that easy, because yeah. then, then we could produce ourselves some audition tapes. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easy to wait for the new J. General Jameson. 
Give me the photo of Spider-Man. <laughs> Parker. Nailed it. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> you have the salt and pepper. Ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, what do you What do you got? What do you got over here? Man, I had so I, I remember tagging you in a thing for Tesla, the Tesla bell pick. Oh yes, uh, Nikolai Tesla, the guy who had the much better idea for electricity that Albert Ed- Edison shut down, played by David Bowie in The Prestige. That Nikolai Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Uh, so Nicholas Holt is signed on to play him in the upcoming Tesla bell mm-hmm. pick. And I remember you mentioning like a few years ago in the infancy stage of the rewatchman that um, I asked you, could do a biopic on anybody, living or dead, who would you do? And mm-hmm. you're like, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. Like, yep. Wow. And it's pretty cool that they're, they're actually going forward with one. I, I, there's, there's so many different ways you could approach this, but I think a very straightforward biopic about him would be just exciting as it is. The, if you watch in The Prestige, he create, he, they show his electricity and flying around. People are afraid of it because it's out in the open. Um, but Tesla was the hero to Thomas Edison, who everyone knows and loves, was a villain. (laughs) There's some great drama to be had there. Straight stolen. But you could also go to a more fantastic route that Nikolai Tesla has been depicted in some comic books as a superhero. Yeah. Like a steampunky superhero. Mad scientist. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious to see which route they go. Mm -hmm. I hope they go the more dramatic, like, grounded route. Yeah. (laughs) No. It's funny because grounded... Electricity and <laughs> science jokes. <laughs> Nerd. How do you feel about Nicholas Holt as an actor? I like Nicholas Holt. He is a child actor who has survived well, <laughs> childhood. About a boy. Yep. He started yeah. with about a boy. Mm-hmm. I've liked his. I th- I feel he's one of the better aspects of the newest newer X Men movies. Yes. I think he takes things seriously. He knows the material. He he acts the material well. Mm. Um, I like him. I liked him. Even uh, Warm Bodies, I thought he showed a little. He showed he has a range. Yeah, he can play goofy. He can play serious. He can play, you know, various spectrums of both of those. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that I think handled by the right filmmaker, this T. C. Dewitt. I don't know if I'm the right filmmaker. Self anointed. <laughs> <laughs> handled by the right filmmaker, we could be looking at a damn fine film. With with him in the cast uh, casting the role, I'm I'm good with that. Hmm. It'll just depend on who makes this thing. It's gotta be Christopher Nolan, man. I, I know like he won't, <laughs> he won't do it, obviously, but like if only Bully, Bowie was alive, I would love a spinoff film. Go like, go back and check out the Prestige just for the Bowie scenes yeah. in that. They're so neat. They like, are. There's there's so much mythos just in his like three minutes of screen time. Yeah. And Andy Serkis as his assistant. It's very. There's a whole another movie there. That would be so amazing, just in that style and, and yeah. with Bowie in there. Oh, man, that would be cool. Just some fantasy movies. Okay. <laughs> Say and Bowie's still alive and Christopher Nolan did a spinoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who would you want as Edison? Ooh. Who could be the villain to David Bowie? And they're both pretty grizzled. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh my god. I mean if we're casting <laughs> if we're casting post mortem. Yeah. Let's go Hoffman. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just cuz he could be slimy. Yeah. Hoffman can play that slime. Look at the master. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the master? I've seen the master. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. So our, our my post mortem casting of the Nikolai Tesla biopic, David Bowie's Tesla and Philip Seymour Hoffman as Edison. <laughs> That's the dream. And Circus can come back to Yeah, and Scarlett Johansson as the woman they loved. <laughs> Abracadabra. Uh, Good times.
All right, all right, okay. Did you uh, did you have another news story? I got Sorry, I was just going off the top of the dome. Let me. That's cool. I actually had uh, coming soon opened. Well, here I have I have one to discuss, and then you can you can do another. Um, John Favreau bringing us a. I'm putting this in big old fat quotes. A live action Lion King. Yeah. Now John Favreau did bring us the Jungle Book. Yes. Like it, dislike it. Did you watch it yet? Yes. Um, I don't. I think we talked about it briefly last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not like it. I didn't like. I don't have a vehement disdain for it or anything. Mm-hmm. But like, it really was so unnecessary. Because <laughs> beat, beat for beat, it was similar story, mm-hmm. story structure wise. But they they took some they took some nuances that I thought made it very creepy. Like I don't know if I'm overinterpreting it, but the Christopher Walken character, like the "I want to be like you" uh, segment in the animated original, was very fun, very whimsical. Mm-hmm. But in the live action one, it was very molesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was just me, but I felt weird. I felt a little creeped out. It is an amazing accomplishment in special effects. Yes, no doubt about that. It. And people, Avatar started took okay let's say how, how do i trace this you're like polar express no no i'm sorry let's go spirited away to polar express to avatar mm-hmm. which is quite good to planet of the apes oh yeah and now to this jungle book the mm-hmm. that that kid's real that's it yeah uh, the occasional prop he held was real mm-hmm. everything else was animated that is amazing so calling it a live action lion king is not Forget it, because there's nothing. What what would be real? There's no humans in the <laughs> yeah. Lion King, right? So it's just going to be an animated film, which is fine. Mm. To animate to realism is 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 that's that's great. Mm. But I agree with you. Jungle Book was unnecessary. Cinderella was unnecessary. Alice in Wonderland was unnecessary. I said this a couple years ago. Because of the failure of something like Tomorrowland and The Lone Ranger. Disney's not going to make anything unless they know it's going to make money. And yeah. the only thing that are making money, the only thing that's making money for them are these remakes of their animated films. Yeah. So we're going to get Beauty and the Beast uh, ne- early next year, right? I think it might be coming out this winter. Oh, okay. So we get we get Beauty and the Beast, yeah. which is going to be a remake of the animated one. Yeah. And we're going to get uh, Jungle Book, and or uh, Jungle Book 2 probably. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to get Lion King. Actually, that's my hope. That they don't do Jungle Book 2, that Lion King is their Jungle Book 2. Okay. They're like, we won't make a second one because the second animated movie is no good. <laughs> but what more? I would I would almost rather see the Broadway show put on the big screen. Oh, yeah. With, with those costumes and with those songs mm-hmm. sung, sung by these incredible performers. Like I would much rather see that than some CG lions that look real. It's like – it's. It's, we've discussed it many times with uh, the Zemeckis stuff. It's that weird, uncanny valley mm-hmm. to where, like, it's very, I don't want to just say uncomfortable, but unpleasant as well, just mm-hmm. being in that uh, tiptoe in between live action and uh, animated. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, I love the Planet of the Apes, the two Planet of the Apes yeah. movies, because they should be creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like they, <laughs> Those are supposed to be unsettling films. Yeah. And so it's... I can't believe I'm looking at animated characters in yes. those minutes. They have done it. They mm-hmm. have tricked my eye and my brain, and I know those are fake, but I, I can't believe they're fake. They're real. It totally makes Avatar look like 
the <laughs> polygons from Reboot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you bring up a really good point by um, bringing up Planet of the Apes because the, the special effects serve that film because it served the narrative. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we obviously don't have uh, uh, apes and chimpanzees that have human-like qualities, so we have to animate them to tell the story about an ape uprising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to do so in the context and the in the universe of The Lion King, I'm just wondering what would it add narratively? You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't serve a purpose other than we're updating an old classic that everyone loves, and this is a sure moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me so sad because Queen of Katawe just came out this week. Yes. And that looks like a fantastic film, and no one went to see it. Yeah, that's too bad. I, I did. Yeah. I know a couple people went and saw it, just not even really knowing what it was about, and mm. loved it. Yeah. Uh, see, okay. Have you seen those people who take the Unreal video game engine and they re- they redo, like, remaster Zelda? Yeah. They're like, those are amazing right to take ocarina of time use the unreal engine to rebuild it exactly but with textures and an atmosphere and whatnot would you rather see that just re-release the lion king with a whole new sheen over all the animation <laughs> and, and i don't mean like clean up the pencil lines like yeah. they did with some of like the, the classic Blu-ray. disney like i, I can't yeah. There's something wrong about watching Sword in the Stone so clean. <laughs> it feels weird, yeah. right? But I'm not, so I'm not saying that. I'm saying texture and get in the, get in there with the Unreal Engine and re-release Lion King. Yeah, give it a more uh, extra dimension. <laughs> but would that would that be better? I'm just I'm I'd rather they leave it alone because it's, it's really just that is like, the better answer. <laughs> <laughs> not not so I I like that alternative i think i'd rather that than mm-hmm. uh an actual remake but but then again it's just like re-releasing in the theaters they did a few years ago mm-hmm. and you know we we sat here and we're like Psh, who's gonna go do and see the, that and, and it was number was, one in the weekend <laughs> it was nuts it was absolutely nuts tc it was in 3d ben <laughs> there was a new song morning report that's right which was an inferior song but whatever <laughs> it's great in the stage show it is yeah. it is um if anything, I, I will make a plea to Disney here. And I know John Favreau is already the director, and he's a fine director, hit or miss for me. But other than that, I would just love I would love a black person to be directing this film. Like, I feel like uh, Ava DuVernay, even though she's kind of having a monopoly on all black arts right now, <laughs> <laughs> she would be perfect for this because I feel like this is of their heritage. We should be... Um, we should be leaving alone, stepping back, yeah. not, not having our voice in there because um, I'm... Uh, I was reading a, about this article about this uh, Hawaiian reporter who was writing about um, Moana and how, uh, like, historically Disney has, you know, give us, given us all these exotic locations and characters and stuff like that, but not really doing it justice in a way to where it's being told through an authentic voice. Mm-hmm. And Moana is being directed by two elderly white directors as well. And, like, I respect the hell of them. They're legends. They've done work on Aladdin and Lion King and whatnot. And so they know what they're doing. But still, it's still through this singular prism and it's still, in a way, uh, not intentionally, but in a way, an exotification of a indigenous culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like what 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 great way to do it and give them a platform by, you know, you can give them a bunch of money, give them that Disney money, yeah. but give, give a voice to someone else, you know? like John Who, who better to tell the story of inner city New York than Spike Lee, who lives in inner city New York, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If, if I, just to reference, do the right thing, just to find an example of that, mm. who better to tell... The heritage, this 
this story of an African king yeah. than someone from African descent. Yes, and The Lion King is such a black story. Like, <laughs> like the stage show that you alluded to, it mm-hmm. has an old black ass, right? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, has, it certainly has had multicultural casts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I feel like, I don't know, it, it, especially in this time, it's, it's the perfect time to do so. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what John Favreau would bring to it other than his pristine technical eye. Because, like, like, like I mentioned, like he can be hit or miss. You, you either get, uh, you either get Elf or you get Zathora. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'd like. Okay, since they're doing it anyway, since they're gonna just keep hauling these out, right? Bring back James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. No, no. I, I do Aladdin. Live action Aladdin. Do a live action Aladdin, okay. right? And get all the tapes hmm. from Robin Williams, and Robin Williams is still the genie. Post mortem performance, yeah. Because there is hours and hours and hours of unused r- r- improv. Okay. That he that he did because he just went off. Yeah. They didn't. They would give him the scene and say, "This is what needs to happen." The scene, and he would just go. <laughs> right. He would just. Robin Williams yes. <laughs> as a verb. <laughs> so if they're going to go ahead and do it anyway, mm. which I wouldn't put, them pa- put it past them to do yeah. a live-action Aladdin, yeah. two things. God help you cast that with people who have Middle Eastern descent. <laughs> <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> and, secondly, <laughs> and, and secondly, Robin Williams is the genie. That would be – I'd be okay with that. Um Sure, you can you can have him use the actual lines of dialogue from the movie itself. Yeah. But because those movies are stretched out and there's more to it, then get some of that stuff we didn't see in the film. Yeah. But yeah, ten thousand years will give you such a good. Do it again. Do it all again. Who is gonna say no? I don't want that. <laughs> I, I I I don't feel like people would be upset. Yeah. I think people would be more upset if they cast some other wackety do mm. to try to be the genie. Yeah. As much as I would say, I was saying like, God, God help whoever has to follow Heath Ledger as the Joker. Such yeah. an iconic performance in an iconic role. God help anyone who thinks they're going to be the genie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I actually rewatched. Aladdin two weeks ago on the big screen. Oh yeah, yeah. Because oh. Cinemark does this thing where they play uh, old Disney movies for five dollars. Oh, um, cool. And it's and it was, it's not as good as I remembered. No. But Robin Williams is the movie. Yeah. What if you take Robin Williams out of there? It's so slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so slow, TC. Like when he sh- once he shows up, that's when the fireworks start popping. Literally. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that idea a lot. I think. If anything, that actually takes these live-action remakes mm-hmm. to a different direction. Like, you're actually doing something different. Yeah. And um, maybe you could even update the Jasmine character, because I thought she was the weakest link of the anime mm-hmm. film. Oh, yeah. How, how could she not know how commerce works? She's <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, sheltered in there. I want to see the world. <laughs> Believe me, Jasmine, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right. What, what, any other news stories from you over here, Ben? There, yeah. Um, I think it's a great thing that we're talking about Disney films because they uh, they've launched a global casting call mm-hmm. for the live action remake of Mulan, which is, really <laughs> which is fine, which is good, which is good. I'm just like, yeah. of course they are. But uh, Mulan's one of my favorite Disney movies. Yeah, I, um, I, the more it, I think about it, the, the more it is too. Mm-hmm. It's it's got everything. She she still ends the movie by going to be with the dude. Which is fine. 
Yeah, which was like, it, at least it wasn't like, there wasn't a wedding, there mm-hmm. wasn't this dramatic kissing scene or whatever. It's just like, okay, I kind of like Is it her dad? Which character at the end says, you know, a guy like that doesn't come up? He oh, came all this way for you. Grandma. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, lock, lock, that, lock that ish down, Moo. I, I will say this. I've, because I rewatched that recently in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been as moved in any scene of these uh, Disney animated films mm-hmm. than I have when they had that one on one with uh, Lee Fazu and Mulan when she's like, I'm sorry I, you know, brought you dishonor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and he was basically saying, you know, you. You are the honor of my life. Yeah, yeah. You are what brings me joy. You are what brings me my life, and you are everything to me. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, if you (laughs) (laughs) and if you understand like an inkling of like Asian cultures and the the patriarchy that runs about it, like Mm -hmm. especially within traditional conservative cultures, if anything, like now it's more a lot more loose, but. You know, fathers are very rigid. They don't show any emotion. They don't, <laughs> yeah. like they, they're like, we don't show you love. You know we love you, right? <laughs> but that scene is just so powerful. Just so powerful. Yeah. So and it's just something so simple and so small. It's in their backyard, literally. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if, like, a live-action film could ever capture anything that incredible yeah. in that animated film. So I'm like... Uh, I'm, I, I'm just, I guess, in the way of your, like the way that you've mentioned a long time ago, like we'll, we'll always have the books, you know, mm-hmm. even if they bastardize the movie or whatever, we'll always have the books. So mm-hmm. we'll always have the animated. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, gosh, that that animated one is so good and and so progressive. Yeah. For for how how much girl power we have now with Tangled and Frozen mm. and what Moana appears to be. Yeah. Uh, Mulan came out. 15 years ago <laughs> that's yeah i you know sometimes when i just sit there and think about it and think about that movie randomly yeah, yeah. i it blows my mind tc that that came out in 1997 and not to say like 1997 was a shit show or anything but like it was it was in a time where it was dominated by the little mermaid aladdin and uh being the beast and so on and so mm-hmm. forth like you had prominent female characters but they were still submissive subservient in in some capacity they still followed the traditional roles of some yeah. of those more classic princesses were, although you know bell bell showed some independence yeah. uh, ariel showed some independence as well yeah. but they were still beholden to those classic fairy tale tropes absolutely and it was hell the princess knight my the puppet feature mm-hmm. is heavily influenced by a lot of things but plug. M- <laughs> <laughs> plug for my movie <laughs> But Mulan is is one of those things. Twelfth Night um, by Shakespeare is yes. another one of mm-hmm. of the empowerment of a a girl. Is that she's the man. <laughs> yes. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> I rewatched that fairly recently. I don't know, like in the past like five six months, and uh, I still like that movie. But it's definitely showing its its age. It's aging. And it's fun though. It's, it's just yeah. Fun. It's a good. <laughs> but yeah, man, like Mulan's part of that mm-hmm. Disney. 90s renaissance yeah. and it's easy to forget that that is there and um rescuers down under is there tarzan yeah and and, and tarzan hercules and hunchback and Ordame are on, are on the tail end of those because lion king little mermaid beauty and the beast like and aladdin yeah that's that's a good quartet of films mm. but there are those other ones that are snuck in there yeah um like mulan absolutely and my my thing is, man. Like we all we all know, they're they're not going to not cast 
a Chinese person. There's just like no way, right? Oh, you better hope so. <laughs> I just can't fathom a situation Look, where that would happen. They'll cast <laughs> someone who is one thirty second Chinese, right? And get the blessing <laughs> of a group oh, of Chinese people. Much like the one sixty fourth Johnny Depp Cherokee. <laughs> I don't think they'll make that mistake again. Surely they know. They know what they're doing. Like it's, they know they'll get a Chinese actress. I mean, I, I wish, would cry. I wish Ming Na Wen was uh, uh, was younger. <laughs> I would, man, how would how great would it be? Because we we love playing revisionist yeah. uh, script writing. Yeah. If we just we did kind of like a more veteran grizzled. War veteran Mulan, and it was so, Ming-Na. It's <laughs> a terrible idea. I've, I've seen things. I've seen things. I've seen some shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say no on that. Sorry. Uh, come Not on. Every, you know, you're, you're like all those people who thought, hey, Dark Knight made it gritty. Let's make everything gritty. <laughs> Give me a gritty Mulan. I've seen things. My favorite gritty, grittified shouldn't have been is the Dora the Explorer short. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> with uh, Ariel Winters. Winters. <laughs> that was so good. That's so great. Exception horns. <laughs> Did you also hear that Sony is making a rival Mulan picture as well? No. Yeah. They hmm. just greenlit it, so and okay. they're fast-tracking it. So they're going to come So out. they'll get that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Are we just going to go on a limb? It's Sony. It's Sony. What are the chances they get this right? <laughs> So Disney's going to do a remake of their Mulan, right? Mm. So there's a chance we'll hear the songs yeah. potentially or some variations of the songs like we had Bare Necessities mm. and um, Sony can't do that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we, there's another Jungle Book movie sitting on a shelf waiting to be released. I forgot about that. That's probably it's, not going to happen, right? It's Andy Serkis' directorial debut. The movie's done. <sighs> so sad. And, and because of the success of Disney's, yeah. they're like, um, let's move this. <laughs> let's put this somewhere else for the – it's a hell of a cast too. Christian oh, yeah. Bale and Kate Blanchett. Yeah, there, it's a it's a f- very very. I'm I want to see it. Yeah, and in all likelihood, it'll probably be better than the one we just got. <sighs> yeah, but it won't be as successful. That's true. If anything, if I was the folks at Sony, you have to do something radically different. Like mm-hmm. if it's it, we were, we joked about gritty Mulan, but that could technically be a grittier film. Not not gritty gritty, but like something more grounded because. Mm-hmm. The Disney movie is going to be a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a musical. It's going to be a, it's going to be lighter. Mm-hmm. And so you have to take a different direction. And oh god, are they going to get Eddie Murphy to play that stupid dragon? Oh god, someone was was like yelling at the rooftops, like you got to bring him back as Mushu. No, <laughs> we don't need him. <laughs> they they won't. They won't be able to because yeah. Eddie Murphy's done. Uh, okay. He just had a movie come out, Mister Mister Church. Mr. Church. Yeah. Um, one of the reviewers I trust, uh, Chris Stuckman, he's mm-hmm. a great reviewer on YouTube. Uh, his review for Mr. Church, the movie wasn't great, but Eddie Murphy may have possibly turned in his greatest performance in his career. Oh, wow. <laughs> because Eddie Murphy took a four-year break where he's, after Tower Heist, or I can't remember what it was, he, he's like, I need a break. Mm. Thousand words. Thousand words. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, he took his break. To reevaluate his career, and he came back with the the promise of he's done screwing around, mm-hmm. he's done making movies for money, he's going to take this as seriously as it deserves to be taken. Yeah, and apparently his first offering proved that he's he's not kidding. Yes, so they couldn't bring him back to be Mushu because <laughs> he wouldn't be screwing around with another fun little goofy character. I'm a serious actor yeah. now, <laughs> and, and you know what? It's funny because I remember a long time he is ago, Oscar nominated. He is. Yeah, Dreamgirls. But um, anyway, a lot of people forget luck. that. 
long but, time ago. Uh, I, I do remember you and I playing a game on one of the infancy, it, like uh, during the infancy stage of the rewatchman, where mm-hmm. we would uh, kill a comedian, bring back a comedian from the dead, and give another comedian a chance. Oh, Phil Hartman was there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring Phil him Hartman back. was bring him back, yeah. and Leslie Nelson was mine as well. But um, the one that we vehemently agreed on to give another chance was Eddie Murphy, and this guy. It's not like talent left him. Mm-hmm. His, his ego took the best of him. So he's like, money first, and then whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's cool that he took a sabbatical and actually reevaluated his life. <laughs> it sounds like he he checked himself, yeah. and hopefully he can he can bring something. To I mean, we kind of changed the conversation to talk about Eddie Murphy, <laughs> but I, you're right. I'd like to see him. He was very talented. I, I actually was talking to Jeff Bell about this. How much credit does an artist get? Like, some artists have such good credit that they can do nothing but shit mm. for, like, 20 years, <laughs> but you still respect them for the best stuff they ever did. Brando. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Pacino. Right? There are plenty <laughs> of performers out there who have such good credit that mm. despite the fact that they've made Meet the Fockers, <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro is still Robert De Niro. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy is definitely one of those guys who is, like, his credit is so good mm. from the eighties. Yeah, he, he just can't. He can't do no more. <laughs> I, I will say this. I think Disney, whether they have hits or misses, their mm-hmm. misses are very. It's the count's very low, mm-hmm. and I, I, just watching the inner workings of how they operate. Um, visiting Walt Disney Animation Studios, doing a report for NBC Asia America, we went behind the scenes of Mulan or <laughs> Moana, and like they have a committee called the Oceanic Trust where they have um, folks of Polynesian descent nice. come and teach them about Polynesian culture and tell them what are they doing wrong, what are they doing right, and how they should implement this in a respectful mm-hmm. and authentic manner. And, like, you know, that could be, like, complete BS, PR stunt, whatever. But, right. like, I actually talked to some of the folks, and one of them was the dancer, the choreographer for the film, and she was, like, she was extremely knowledgeable and she was extremely sincere, and I just feel I feel good about the film. Like, watching a few clips never before seen clips i'm like holy crap this is this is ni- that 90s glory days disney that's nice. like okay i mean we we love tangled we love frozen and stuff like that but mm. like this is engrossing it was like you transported into a different arena you know that kind of feeling when watching cinema like <sighs> that's it was, exciting i haven't gotten that from a disney film for a while that comes out next year uh, this Thanksgiving. Actually. Oh gosh! So I, I, clearly, I don't know when. <laughs> I can tell you when movies came out. I don't know when they are coming out, <laughs> especially Disney movies. Uh, Beauty and the Beast and Moana. That's next year, right? No, yeah. it's uh, this it's... Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Disney, you're drunk. Okay, so that's that's insane. Yeah. What is the best picture then? Is it Zootopia? Is it Finding Dory? Or is it Moana? Oh wow! It's like they're just fighting amongst themselves. It's like <laughs> whoever wins, we win. <laughs> uh, but. Just to Give it to How to Train Your Dragon 2 again, you dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Lego movie! <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Okay. Um, tell, I have I have a pin for the animation conversation. But mm-hmm. before I say anything, um, just to wrap up this princess discussion, one thing that I really appreciated, because I asked them point blank, like, why why doesn't Moana have a love interest? Like, mm-hmm. it has, It's been widely reported that you guys vehemently mentioned no love interest whatsoever. Yeah. And she's like, and they were like, she's not a princess because she's not a princess. She's a hero. Mm-hmm. She's an action heroine, and that's that's how we describe her in all the uh, the publicity, and that's how we're going to describe her for our film and stuff like that. And it's just ah, that's so fantastic. That's cool. to hear. Sure, Disney can <laughs> crown her and make her an official princess yeah. for the merchandising, mm-hmm. but that's really neat. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. 
And um, that just the the thought that I had, like, did you see Kubo by chance? I did. What'd you think? I liked it. Hmm. Uh, the the animation quality in it, that stop motion style that Leica has created, is incredible. In just <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I, 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 you could put it on mute and yes. enjoy that movie through and through. Wow. Uh, but I also appreciated the adventure behind it. I mm-hmm. thought all the voice acting was spot on from McConaughey to um, Charlize to uh, the little kid playing Kubo. Um, yeah, I, that's another one where it's like, man, this has been a really good year for animated films. Yeah. Would you put the <clears> – <throat> would you nominate that as best animated uh, against those three titans? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, on technicality alone. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the – Leica is so damn good. Yeah. Paranorman – um, uh, what are the other two? Coraline. Uh, Coraline. Uh, Box Trolls. Box Trolls. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, was one of your favorites last year. Yeah. Or it's, two years ago. Of the Leica movies, it's the weakest. Yeah. Uh, I think Coraline is just slightly better than Box Trolls. Okay. But the technicality of Box Trolls is so good. It's just amazing. Like, yeah. What'd you think? Did you? Uh, of Kubo or yeah. Box Trolls? Kubo. Kubo. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know if it's going to be top 10 yet. But what I really appreciated it, because what I got from the Disney films was. It was very whimsical, but it was not – it was a little too afraid to attack – or not to attack, to uh, address, like, sort of darker themes. Mm-hmm. You know, I really miss that 80s-style filmmaking when we got um, – wh- who's the animator who did, the like, The Lord of the Rings and, like, The Secret of the Oh, Dim? Bakshi. Ba- yeah. yeah. Like – Oh, no. Um, yeah, Bakshi was Lord of the Rings and Secret Name was Don Bluth. Sorry, Don Bluth. Yeah. I I love that style of animated storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's made for families, but they're not afraid. They don't shy away from dark themes, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what Kubo is. Kubo is about grief. It's yeah. a loss, and it's it's heavy. <laughs> and but what what they do, especially in the third act too, um, I, I probably shouldn't spoil it. But <laughs> they <laughs> they they get to the line and they don't cross it. Yes, that, I think I know where you're going with this. This that they're afraid to push the envelope too far. Yeah, because. It's implied, though. There's a lot of input. This is so funny right? <laughs> to, to not be spoiled. Let's let's talk Kubo off camera, okay. off mic. But I will say, if they consist, if they're consistent, if Leica continues the path they're on, hmm. I, I've heard another person say this, and I want to agree with it. We're looking at the next Studio Ghibli. Yes, I would. I would not. Their put it past their it. technique, hmm. their storytelling technique, their structure, the hmm. the heroes they've been crafting, which are very alternate Disney yeah. heroes. Yeah. It's very – it is very reminiscent of Studio Ghibli in the way that they handle um, Good versus Evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this fantastic quote by Miyazaki himself where he says, I think Good versus Evil is boring <laughs> because um, it, it's just so one-sided. You know, like humans and humanity in general is so layered and so complex. How can you just um, – uh, oversimplify that and just say it's good versus evil. Yeah, and that's why I really appreciate about this film because Kubo. at the end of it all, there's this big boss battle. Mm-hmm. This is not a spoiler. There's a big boss battle, but they don't go. They don't fall into the trappings of you know that action movie video game mm-hmm. final boss fight <laughs> type of thing. Like it actually ends in a conversation. And so I just wrote a straight up action movie, good yeah. versus evil. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not Blame me, Azaki, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but I don't know. I just think it's so mature. It's mm-hmm. very mature craftsmanship. Yeah, I would put it up there. It's This has been an incredible, incredible year for animation. I'm really looking forward to Moana. Just yeah. from the first preview, I've – 
I've not been digesting a mu- as much of it as I possibly could because mm-hmm. I want to go in cold, as cold as I can. Yeah. Um, it was dumb of them or not dumb of them to release that costume of the rock of um, Maui because that was the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah, they made that kid, the kids, <laughs> the kids' costume, but. Yeah. It's like, well, what if the kid really liked being Mike liked Matt Maui to be him? But <laughs> that's I I love this conversation because if I would not have my kid wear that, no, <laughs> yeah. Um, and if anything, I think that's a teachable moment. Instead of some of these folks, some of these parents who are saying, you know, what if my kid wants to wear this? Well, mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, it, you should explain why. Yeah, know? like we don't have to get into this long history lesson about colonization and about how Polynesian culture is like completely oppressed by mm-hmm. by uh, like white colonizers, colonizers but like there that's a starting point to teach your kid to not be to use their privilege to be assholes you know what <laughs> I mean because like so many folks are so entitled to think that we should that that culture is that's that's the thing about that article about the Disneyfication of other people's cultures because mm-hmm. we think we own it now you know what mm-hmm. I mean and so it's like it's a good conversation to have with your kids at a very young age about privilege and about um, not stepping on other people because their cultures are not our costumes. Like that's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's that conversation should end there. Like I'm, I, I think folks who are outside of that realm will see it as kind of like a nitpicky thing, mm-hmm. but I understand. Like I, I've talked to a lot of Polynesian folks who are like, man, like the tourists, like they come to Hawaii and stuff like that. They, they love, they love our culture, but they don't love our people, you know, not enough to like help us mm-hmm. get achieve to a platform of political and social power. And like this, I, this is going off a long tangent, but I mean, <laughs> and you can totally cut it. But I, I totally understand it. I I empathize, and like just to keep reiterating this conversation that we've been having over and over again, it's mm-hmm. all about people first. You know, if you don't understand the people, you'll never understand their plight, these issues. You'll just see it as nitpicky or nonsense. You know, Th- this is why I get mad when I see people wearing glasses that don't need them. <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. I ha- I have to wear these. Sorry, Those aren't real. No, these are real. Okay. All right, I, then. I can't see far away. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of cultural impact and and wrapping your mind around other people's culture, Luke Cage. Oh, I, sweet I, Christmas. I, I'd love to have a conversation with you about Luke Cage right now. For those of you who may not have watched the whole series yet, um, I have not seen the with Candace. We have we have not finished the series. Okay, so was this the last episode you haven't seen? Yes, we have not okay. seen the last so episode. I won't discuss the finale. Um, so don't discuss the finale. We can discuss some broad strokes and and kind of some analyses of of the show itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, spoiler ish stuff that might be coming out here, but yeah. uh, we're 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 talking about the show itself, not specific moments in the show. Mm-hmm. So. But yay or nay? What do you what do you what do you think? A very high yay for me, man. <laughs> this is my favorite Netflix Marvel series. So, so of the four seasons of shows we've had, two yeah. Daredevils, one Jessica, and Luke, mm-hmm. you're making it your number one. Yeah, I, I know, like, uh, Bryce, my, one of my great friends, would disagree. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, man. Instantly off the hook. Like, right off the bat, I have I was completely engrossed. Mm-hmm. I did not – because I did not feel that way with Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones – I, they had to earn my viewership a little bit. Like the first five episodes was a slog. Yeah. Um, Daredevil teared like the wheels uh, on the wagon fell off immediately at the second half of the first season. Mm-hmm. I have not finished the second season, so I don't know if it's. I, I've heard it. It has the same problems, but um, Luke Cage for me, the middle of the season, there's a lull. There's definitely a lull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
There's this weird shift I was saying to Jim yesterday because yeah. our friend Jim didn't like Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like there's a missing episode. Like yeah. right at that halfway point, there's these weird jumps in yeah. characters and storytelling mm-hmm. that I even checked. I'm like, did we skip an episode? <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of things happened between an ep- between episodes. Yeah, uh, Misty getting losing her cool mm-hmm. and Claire. And Luke's relationship developing rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird jump. But uh, – and then uh, the the villain exchange. I, did, I, I really liked the first villain yeah, of the series. Yeah, uh, Mar- Con- Marshall Ali, um, who plays Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth, yeah. It's not my name! You like my biggie photo? <laughs> John! Oh, I, I love – that actor. I've never seen him or anything. I haven't watched House of oh, Cards. Oh, he always plays good guys. Really? Yeah, so it was really cool seeing him play a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. He's, he was in um, the uh, Mockingjay. Um, he was uh, in Hunger Games. Yeah, Hunger yep. Games. He was in the four, the 4400, which was a, mm-hmm. a series that Heroes ripped off because mm-hmm. it came out two years before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, he, he's been, he's been around and he typically plays like a nice guy or someone with really? a, like a more heroic quality. Wow. So seeing him play a bad guy was awesome. He was, I would put him up there with Fisk. He was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I know folks will make an argument for, uh, Kilgrave, mm-hmm. but I would make the argument saying we like the idea of Kilgrave more than the actual person because once <laughs> David Tennyson showed up, yeah. he got super goofy. <laughs> Agree to disagree. I, I really enjoy Kilgrave. I think he's in the top five Marvel villains oh, in, in, in their entire umbrella, not yeah. just the movies. I mean, the movies, the shows, and the Netflix series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kilgrave is up there. Um, uh, but uh, Luke Cage himself, I love this guy. That's a sexy man. <laughs> yeah. That is a sexy man slattered in coconut oil. There was, a, <laughs> there was a tweet. I don't know. It was just been going around where it's like, uh, I was watching Luke Cage with my wife, and when he appeared on screen, she went, mm. So I guess I won't be watching Luke Cage anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. He's he so he is Luke Cage. Right? Yeah. And surely I don't know Luke much more than I know him from appearing in the Daredevil mm-hmm. series when Bendis did his run on it, and uh, and New Avengers. Yes. My my knowledge of Luke Cage is pretty minimal, but he embodies such an amazingly cool heroic character mm-hmm. in Luke and. A reluctant one, too, yeah. which was the nice wrinkle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no hero. I'm no hero. Yeah, yeah. you are. <laughs> um, and I love this hero's journey they've put him on with with me- uh, mentors as he's gone through his, his timeline because there's some jumping through time, his relationships with the women in his life. Mm. I love the, uh, the the black cast. Yeah. And I know people are idiots. And they're like, <laughs> oh, Luke Cage isn't well, – this is racist. There's no white people. <laughs> Shut. Are these, are these people real? Are these real people? Are, like, these are real people, right? Is their avatar an egg? <laughs> these are real people doing this, right, that, that think the show's too black? I, I they are not. gonna <laughs> die. They are gonna die when Black Panther comes out. Oh my God! Their heads will explode. <laughs> heads will explode. TC. Oh man! And, and I'm telling you, TC, like this is this is why it's so important to have not only a diverse uh, cast, but uh, the people running the show. Mm-hmm. They truly understand this experience, and and I love the fact that blackness in this show was celebrated. It was champion. Unapologetic. Yeah, it was not. Look at how much we're suffering mm-hmm. because I tend to like even even black filmmakers do this who 
who try to appeal to a more conservative market, it's all slave films. Mm -hmm. It's all black suffrage films. And I get that. We need to understand that history. Mm -hmm. But we don't have enough films and enough properties that celebrate blackness. Mm -hmm. That you're like all almost 90% of the um, African American women in the show wore their natural hair. Yeah. And that just brought like a tear in my eye to look <laughs> at it because it's so beautiful, you know? There, there's something very empowering about yeah. the city of, of Harlem in this show and the the reality of all these people. There, it's it's like your life story series. The relatability <laughs> to so many of these the characters. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I lost my train. Oh, there, there's it's it's that realness of say like do the right thing. Yeah. There's there's this interesting subtle homage to that 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 eighties black movie and yeah. there's this great feel of of shaft and like those mm. those truly great black exploitation movies. Yeah. yeah. And without being pandering, without being afraid to be what it is. Mm. And it it feels good. And just all that aside, it's a good drama. Absolutely. It's a great exploration of this character. And mm. and even in those slower moments because this this isn't as action packed as yeah. Daredevil. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Yeah. Daredevil is a freaking ninja. Okay? <laughs> He's <laughs> doing kickflips and whatnot. My favorite tweet of, of my favorite observation is Marvel's new hero is a black bulletproof black man in a hoodie. Yeah, and there's certainly some addressing of of that aspect of this country mm-hmm. in Luke Cage, which is really fascinating because like uh, Chio Toker. I think that's the showrunner's name, and Mike Coulter, has, who plays Luke Cage, has both come out and saying this is not a pro-Black Lives Matter show. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh, they, their uh, rationale was like, <laughs> easy, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, I disagree. <laughs> <coughs> Stupid dog. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I personally think like this is very empowering, especially for the BLM movement. Mm-hmm. But I, I do, I do see where they're coming from because they're saying we're just showing what already happening yeah you know what i mean it's just like your what you mentioned what's will smith has mentioned police brutality is not a new thing <laughs> it's just the cameras are getting better yeah. <laughs> and so like this and i love the subtle homage to trayvon martin with a hoodie i mm-hmm. think that's so moving and, and so respectful likely yeah. deliberate uh, absolutely absolutely yeah. deliberate and that's that's like being a non-black person of color i've I've learned that there's obviously a lot of anti-blackness within my own community that mm-hmm. I'm trying to dismantle. But seeing this, it's empowering to me, and I'm not black. And why is that? You know, like that's that conversation we what, we don't have enough often because like I, I've had conversations with execs and like other producers who like okay when Jane the Virgin just premiered, and I, I loved the hell of the pilot, and mm-hmm. I was talking to this this person who was like. I just wasn't really feeling it. You know, I'm just like, well, was it the story? Was it blah, blah, blah? And they were just like, oh, maybe because I'm not Latino. I'm just like, but what's that have to do? With? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, the the identity portion of this show is fantastic, but it's also a great gateway. into you know, this, the superhero is almost like a guise into a gateway of what it's like to be black in America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it tricks you into thinking about these things. And I think that's why this show is so important just simply for existing it's mm-hmm. revolutionary simply by existing because when in the last 10 years have we got enough like we have black shows but we don't have black genre 
This is what Bryce and I talk about all the time. Why yeah. is there a black sci-fi? Why is there a black <laughs> fantasy? Game of Thrones is a fantasy. Why is it all? Why is there no black people in it? it doesn't make any sense. So like, they film in Iceland and there aren't any black people in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is a major milestone, especially because it's backed by a mammoth of a uh, corporate corporate uh, entity that disney, is disney marvel and netflix yeah. like those are three gigantic people yeah that's why i'm always making entities, the ar- not people <laughs> beings but that's why i'm always making that argument that they should be the ones who set the precedent because mm-hmm. they have less to lose and they have uh the most resources you know what i mean and yeah. and look at this like people came out of the woodwork Everyone's talking. It's the most tweeted show. It broke the. It broke Netflix. It literally. It broke, broke Netflix. I, 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 was, I was just like in the middle of a like a huge binge, binge session. Ninety eight degrees outside. I'm sweating. Yeah. And Netflix crashes. I'm like, what's going on? Is there three people on my account? Because <laughs> I'm mooching off my ants. But like, yeah. No, it's because everyone's watching the United Luke Cage States simultaneously. It's in United Kingdom. Like, was watching. Ne- Luke Cage at yeah. the same time and broke Netflix. Yes. That's so cool. Please don't say <laughs> diversity does not sell because it's it's selling like hotcakes, mm-hmm. TC. And I'm and I'm telling you, like, we need more stuff like this. And yeah. and not only that, like I did notice sorry, cut me off when you I'm talking too much, but like um, <laughs> keep going. I'll, I'll give you your time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <It's> okay. <laughs> I was very excited about the Asian American representation in this film. Or in this series. Because mm-hmm. um it's very small. It's like literally a piece of an episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, the Chinese owners of the Chinese restaurant, you know, they, they went to briefly when they were held at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, one of the thugs were saying, you know, do you even speak English? And like, I'm third generation. Yeah. Of course I am. <laughs> and that's, that's so small. But that's enough to say, hey, we acknowledge you and you exist. Mm-hmm. That's, and, like, I, I turned out, TC, when um, Luke Cage gave Connie... Uh, some of that money was just saying, you know, this is this is not just for rent, but this is for your restaurant too. Yeah, blah, blah. yeah. And you know, they they hugged it out, and they're just <laughs> like, man, that's. It felt real. It felt like I was there because I've I've seen moments like that before, but mm-hmm. I've never seen it on on screen. That's and great. so it's yeah. just it's fantastic. It was moving, and 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 Netflix has done it again, giving us a look at a subculture mm-hmm. and tricking people into watching it because it's a superhero character. Yes, to look at daredevil and and the the gentrification of a destroyed section of a city mm. via fisk and his villains um and and also law and order how do you how do you follow the law and break it at the same time mm. uh, jessica jones looked at rape culture and the psychological warfare that can occur between a victim and their their attacker yeah right and luke cage has given us a look at the the black culture of new york city of harlem and dealing with the um the relationship between police the citizens and vigilantes and heroes and not not vigilantes and like batman but Mm -hmm. what luke represents to a people who need someone to represent them because you have mariah the alfrey wooders character Mm -hmm. Who's, who says she is the voice of Harlem, who says she's Harlem, yeah. but it's so ego-driven yeah. and selfishly driven. Mm. Where Luke, who is representing this, re- representing Harlem, doesn't want to be. Yeah. He just does. Yes. You know, I, I think that's amazing. One little thing that they missed, they missed a huge opportunity. Alfre Woodard is in Civil War. Yes. As a different character. <clears throat> if she had been the same character... That would have been incredible. 
That would have made a lot of because sense. Because Alfred Wooder in Civil War has lost a son because of superheroes. Mm. Having that councilwoman on Luke Cage be the yeah. same woman mm. would have would have done so much for that narrative. Yeah. And that's that's a missed opportunity that they, they missed that. That's cool. That that would have been a really cool wrinkle yeah. to the narrative. Yeah, it's and and it wouldn't even have to be super obvious. Like it yeah. didn't have to. Like they don't have to show a clip from Civil War. Just the fact. That, Remember me? <laughs> yeah, would have been yeah pretty spectacular. Could have just used the same name. That's simply that. Yep, that, that's simple. Yeah, yep. and so close too. Her name is an M. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but so, um, I also wanted to like spotlight on like the the little cultural aspects of that was sprinkled throughout the the film. Like mm-hmm. you see, obviously, like. Um, classic architecture that's in Harlem that's you know that's revered. Um, they talk about Langston Hughes. They talk about uh, um, um, uh, John Coltrane mm-hmm. and all the books that Luke's reading. It's all by prominent black oh, authors. Uh, yeah, you got The Invisible Man. The Invisible I, Man. I, I had to read that in college. Yeah, yeah. fantastic book. And I thought it was gonna be the H.G. Wells. Hum- it wasn't. It was about. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different Invisible Man. <laughs> and, <laughs> I kept waiting. I'm like, you can still see the guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, but you can't see him because society doesn't see him. He's invisible. Oh, that makes <laughs> but no, that's so great because now a lot of people are like they make actual checklists on the internet, and now people actually want to go out and seek out those those little cultural tidbits. That's great. That's I love yeah. that uh, Gilmore Girls was good for that because yeah. there's all they were always reading philosophy books and mm-hmm. and uh, very intellectual books. Yeah. And so you can you can get the Gilmore Girls book checklist. And there's like 350 books on that list. Yeah. <laughs> How did she read them all? But it's cool that they're offering that up as well. Like, as soon as I saw Invisible Man in Luke's hand, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> that, that's tight. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's 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 also what's why it's so important to have mm-hmm. uh, a black showrunner running this this very black experience show because um, it goes very – it's a cool, like, parallel to the gentrification issues that are brought up in Daredevil mm-hmm. because this is happening in a predominantly black neighborhood. And like I was having a conversation with um, my other media friend at at the Disney Day, and she was she's Latino, Latina, and she was saying like, yeah, gentrification is horrible for our neighborhoods because like it's not creating a stimulus like economically for mm-hmm. the people living there. Just coming in and pushing people out. They're pushing them out, and they're bringing talent from the outside in, and it's like, yeah, where do we go mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so to highlight what makes this place great in the first place makes us want to continue to. Uh, contribute to it rather than tear it down and rebuild something else. Because why build something else when there's already something great there? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fantastic message of the show. Yeah, and the music too. Oh my god, we didn't yeah. get to the music. Great, great soundtrack. It's it, it, they. We knew going into it, this was gonna be yeah. seeping with hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. So it was when Method Man showed up in oh ten I was like. <laughs> I was like, is that Method Man? Yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, he does his rap, mm-hmm. like his freestyle rap later on. Sway's show. Remember Sway? Sway. Remember the MTV J? <laughs> <laughs> that was so cool. That was, like, probably... Uh, that was one of my favorite cameos. But, like, <laughs> I-, I love the soundtrack so much because each of them told a story that was in correlation, in conjunction to the episode at hand. Yeah. And having those live performances from, like, Raphael Sadiq in the first one. Yeah. Faith and, Evans. Yep, yep. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, that's that was really cool too. And then you get black artists on display on platforms too, like. And we haven't seen Faith Evans in a while, and mm-hmm. it's just great to see her on a mainstream mainstream. <laughs> I'm platform. still around. I'm still around, guys. <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, but 
Also, like uh, Tribe Called Quest is one of my favorite groups of all time. They, uh, one of the artists from that group, is the main composer of that entire score. So it was like uh, add on like the nineties tastic hip hop with a mixture of black exploitation. It's just a great amalgamation of all these great things that makes mm-hmm. black culture great. <laughs> to use great over and over again, but um, also fun fact: each episode is named after a gangstar song. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not realize that. That's cool. Yeah. I wondered if they had a theme in the titles. That's mm-hmm. cool. He wanted to... Um, Just Archie saying that. Chia was... Uh, he, he he was mentioning each each of those songs represent a chapter. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing is like... Uh, he wants to represent it as an album. Cool. So like each... Or sorry, not a chapter. Every Each episode is like a single. Mm-hmm. And the whole entire series is an album. That's his analogy for the series. That's badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There are there are little things that I could criticize um, some of the more tongue in cheek comic booky stuff like the second villain is like super over the top. Um, <laughs> Luke's uses of some catchphrases mm-hmm. like mm, okay I get it and but but that sweet Christmas that that, <laughs> that delves into the the source material to yeah. ha- to have a very like black exploitation style way of saying some things and presenting some things so it's a minor critique that i is he drinking your water yeah <laughs> Cutie. well hey if you don't mind i got some tweets here from some people okay i would and love to ki- talk uh more to you about critiques so let's put a pin to that critiques about luke cage yeah oh i mean we can keep critiquing i don't right want now. i don't want to like hold you up no pff, hold me up from what <laughs> well, critique away what, what do you hate about the show i i know i'm like <laughs> i'm like making it seem like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread mm-hmm. but i do I do see the critiques, and I uh, just stepping back from the romanticization <laughs> of it all um, in the Cloud Nine. It is a heavily flawed show mm-hmm. in terms of structure. You can tell this is like the first time this guy has kind of ran a show, yeah. Because tonally, it shifts drastically episode for episode, <laughs> and like you said, once the new once Diamondback shows up, mm-hmm. well, we're doing spoilers, right? A little bit, yeah. Okay, <laughs> once once Diamondback shows up. Okay. Is a severe change in the show. It becomes straight comic book. Yeah, it's like that line that Jim Kelly does from Enter the Dragon. Man, you straight have a comic. Book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking the entire time because this guy, like, he has this very, he has a very like deep emotional backstory mm-hmm. connection to Luke Cage, mm-hmm. but you can't tell between the like the flashbacks are very serious, but then once you get to him, you, you can't tell that at all. Like, the, yeah. the, we don't get that emotional connection, connection from his performance because it is so tomfoolery <laughs> <laughs> it's over the top yeah. it, it does feel like he's channeling samuel L. jackson <laughs> in some of his uh, in some respects yeah i daredevil season one to me is still you said luke's your favorite i'm still putting daredevil season one in these four seasons of shows mm. as my top one yeah um daredevil season two is my fourth <laughs> whoa <laughs> which is i mean that's not saying much there's only four show, four seasons to choose from that's true um there's I just seen it though so i can tell yeah, uh, and and Luke and Jessica, I, I don't know where. I think Luke would be third, Jessica would be second. But mm-hmm. again, it doesn't matter. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to pick them. It's like all the Marvel movies. It's like, well, it's like, how do I rank the Pixar movies? Well, Cars is the bottom, Cars two second, and everything else is number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's if it's. Ah, I I always complain about this with every series that I've seen so far from Netflix's Marvel's uh, library. Library yeah. needs to be ten episodes. Thirteen is too much, DC. <laughs> I thought it was ten episodes, so I was like, "Oh, there's another episode. Oh, there's thirteen episodes." 
that you can tell where the padding is. Mm -hmm. And it's upsetting because I, I think Chigo in an interview mentioned that the first six episodes of the series was supposed to initially be three. Mm -hmm. And then you can tell where it gets stretched out. Yeah. Because it it's just becomes melodramatic. It becomes over the top. And it takes it strips away from this very grounded uh, reality that they're creating. Mm -hmm. And it, it to and that totally gets blown away when Diamondback shows up because he's just blowing everyone with like with with flamethrowers and machine guns and, and stuff. super bullets. Yeah, and it, it's insane. And uh, if if there's a season two, I, I hope there's a like they they take the time to reevaluate all mm -hmm. the the missteps because the missteps were kind of uh, large. Yeah, <laughs> tight, tighten it up, guys. Yeah. Uh, but this actually goes into our Q&A section. Oh, okay. That, that, that leads perfectly into we it. We have fans. <laughs> so if you guys want to tweet at me, you can tweet me at TC's Big Head. Or if you want to tweet at Ben, it's... Benji Toes, B-E-N-J-I-T-O-S. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram. You can also hit us up on Facebook if you'd like. I, we should make a... You think we should make a Rewatchman Facebook sure, fan let's do page? It. I don't want to do it because I don't want to get like very little likes and then feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not know. <laughs> uh, so if you do want to tweet at us, we we will. I, in the past few episodes, I've been able to start answering some questions on here, and I apologize that some of these are from a couple months ago. <laughs> Just didn't have you know one doesn't really serve us much good, but yeah. three or four is good. Um, let's see. Uh, um, where is it? Where is it? Oh, okay. So this is from at Iraq Mirak. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do for Netflix Marvel Phase Two? Ten episodes. Well, okay. <laughs> I, think, I think he means character-wise. Okay. So if we're looking at, we still have Iron Fist, and I don't know if Punisher counts towards the Defenders because Punisher started filming. Yes. And they also there's also discussion of a Jessica Jones season two. Hmm. But the culmination of the Netflix shows was intended to be the Defenders. Yes. So if we say all the series lead up to Defenders, what would you do next? Okay. Huh. So thinking of different characters. I, I would like to see – we'll see how Defenders goes, but I think it would be neat to have a Heroes for Hire series with Ooh, Luke and Iron Fist. Like, yeah. let's, those two started together in the comics. Let's mm. put them together in a show. But that will depend on their chemistry <laughs> in the Defenders. That's true. Um, that also means that would also mean I am I would be have to forced to be to watch Danny Rand. <laughs> well, here I, I here here's 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 a series I'd love to see, uh, Hawkeye. Ooh, well, do you think Jeremy Renner would do it? I if not him if even him in a small capacity, there's the female Hawkeye that ah, takes over for him. I did not know there was one. I think that would be cool to see okay. him pass the mantle because uh, Jas. And how they've kind of structured Hawkeye in the in the MCU mm -hmm. is moving towards retirement and just being with his family. So it would make sense to pass the mantle. That's and cool. having a female Hawkeye series could be pretty ah, cool. That would be cool. And the not, um, not Moon Knight. The why does everyone like <laughs> Moonlight? Why does everyone like Moon Knight? I talked to Jim about this last night too. <laughs> You're saying Moon Knight. <laughs> If you ever want to get on TC's bed, just bring up <laughs> Lindsay Lohan or Moon Knight. <laughs> I should read Moon Knight is the thing. That's... It's a goofy character. It's, it's, it's Prozac Batman. Look, if he has the an Egyptian god, moon god in him, then I want to see Oded Fair play him. Like, I okay. want to see an Egyptian play him. That'd be cool. Not because that that's your complaint with Iron Fist, mm. that he is in, imbued with ancient... Asian powers, yeah. but he's a, an American white kid. Mm. That's that's a problem. 
So don't do it again with Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there there's a lot of cool like side B characters mm-hmm. out there. It's, it's hard to choose, and I'm wondering which which of them is Marvel actually owns. But um, I, I know they're doing a uh, Robbie Reyes uh, Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield right yes. now. Cur- yes, yes, that's one of the series that I actually pitched to a friend, like not like jokingly pitched, but like pitched to him like this would be a cool series on Netflix because. They can get away with more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know how the depiction is on Agents of Shield. I don't know if it's any good. I I wait till the season goes up on Netflix, so I haven't oh, seen okay. it yet. So. Yeah, uh, but watching him in action in some animated gifs on mm. Facebook, pretty badass. Yeah, pretty badass. And I don't know if you read that series, the new Ghost Rider. Not with the Ghost Driver, no. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, I forgot he drives a car. <laughs> yeah, he's that. It's good, dude. Yeah. It's it's Fast and Furious. It's essentially Fast and the Furious. With a Ghost Rider. With a Ghost Rider. Imagine Ghost Rider in Fast and the Furious. That's, that's the series. So you, you want to see a, go, uh, a Ghost Rider Netflix series then. And why not use the same guy, right? Yeah. Just I mean. Transi- I would love to see that bridge, ga- uh, that gap bridged. Yeah. Like there's hints that Punisher might show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this year. That's so weird. <laughs> that would be so weird. But I'd be okay with it because it would bridge the gap. Yeah. But I do like. A, 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 another female character mm-hmm. the idea of that because um i mean we only have jessica right now right and to a lesser extent trish walker mm-hmm. or is that that's her name right yes. trish walker? Yep. yeah patsy patsy yeah who who is another female character that we could uh make a series well of? i did just say female hawkeye so <laughs> okay, female hawkeye. <laughs> um i uh spider gwen silk to go to the spider universe Ooh. yeah um but Spider Gwen only works in an alternate reality yeah. situation, <laughs> so I can't really do that. That's such a cool series, too. Yeah, I love the costume at the, yeah. at the very least. Um, um, <laughs> female Moon Knight. <laughs> well, okay. So another another tweet question here. Okay. Uh, this Sorry, is from. I didn't really answer the question. <laughs> yeah, you said Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is from at Jag Officer. <laughs> what is the best comic book adapted scene? Literal panels brought to life. Three mm. hundred. I mean, three hundred is literally the panels brought to life. This is true. Yeah, but one that actually moves me, and it's along the Zack Snyder pantheon. Mm-hmm. The Doc Manhattan sequence in Watchmen. Ah, yes, it, the the good short film in that mess. <laughs> absolutely, it's it's panel for panel. It's actually Zack Snyder restrained. <laughs> <laughs> It's fantastic storytelling, TC, and it's like exactly what I wanted out of a live action Watchmen. So yeah. I would go go that. listen to our 100th episode, which was we rewatched mm. the Watchmen. Yes, who watches the Watchmen? We we do we do we do. That was such a fun episode. Yeah, it's well, it just goes to prove that Zack Snyder's ability to translate visuals is very good Uh, (laughs) Uh, because robert rodriguez was sin city yes that's an amazing literal interpretation from panel to screen Mm -hmm. Um, i don't know if there there's certainly nothing in batman v superman (laughs) that is the best literal translation there's one split second where batman has the grappling hook and he's pointing his arm and the lightning strikes behind him and it's the dark knight pose that's neat, but it's a it's it's a flash of a frame. Yeah. Um, but uh, nothing in Nolan's universe is a literal translation. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the Superman movies is a literal translation. So to go non comic book mm-hmm. or non superhero yeah. comic book, um, 
Road to Perdition and American Splendor. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, you can go listen to our review of Road to Perdition. <laughs> yeah. Road to Perdition uh, takes some liberties in the adaptation, but American Splendor is like frame for frame. Mm-hmm. And it's like when, when, when I first heard that question, like what I think is the best adapted, like I, I know the, the media thinking is like what's framed exactly like the panels? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like what, what's framed like exactly like the panels that moved me just as much as when I read the comic. And reading American Splendor, it was, like, one of the most heartbreaking things ever because it's, like, an artist that's down his luck, essentially. Mm -hmm. And watching Paul Giamatti play that, like, I can't think (laughs) of anyone else to play Harvey than Paul Giamatti. Mm. And so, like, I think American Splendor would be an example of a non-superhero comic book answer. Hey, right on. There you go, Jag Officer. (laughs) (laughs) Great handle. Um, This is at Chuck underscore Newman. Is that right? I might have wrote that wrong. What up, Chuck? What up, Chuck? Would you like to see a wacky Plastic Man film live action? <laughs> would it be too much like? <laughs> would it be too much like Deadpool though? It would be. I I don't want to see. <laughs> the th- the thing that's cool about Plastic Man is that he's not just stretchy Magoo like Mister Fantastic. Yeah. He he can take the shape of things. Mm-hmm. He could be a, this tablecloth. He could be the jacket a supervillain's wearing on an yeah. accident. Like. And that could be funny, but I wouldn't want to see a live-action version. I'd want to see, like, done by the Ren and Stimpy guy. Yeah. Which there's a great Plastic Man comic book series, which is drawn like Ren and Stimpy. Oh, wow. And it's bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's great, but a live-action one, no. Yeah. How would that be any better than The Mask? Or The Mask meets Deadpool, that's what it would be. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see that. I don't know. I feel like it would be... A joke that overstated was welcome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like, okay, you're funny. You would have to like think really outside of the box to, to, to reel that in and make that a workable live adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last here we have at Derek Hoggins. He asks, Hogs Magogs, what is the best fan made slash unofficial film? The Immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Plug for Ben's upcoming short film. Uh, he lists some of his favorites. Uh, Batman, Batman Dead End. First week in November. First week in November. <laughs> uh, Batman Dead End, The Power Rangers, and Dirty Laundry were his three. Solid choices. Solid yeah. choices. There's some great fan films out there. Yeah. Ours aside, because <laughs> Ben has Iron Fist coming out, and I, and I helped produce, and I was in a, a Halo one. Yes. Um, Halo the Fallen, baby. Dirty Laundry. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. That was a really good one. Without hammering you over the head, like this is a comic book movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Punisher. It was it was, just, it like, was made with pure love mm-hmm. by Thomas Jane. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm never gonna be Punisher again. I want to just try one more time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let me do this. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like I did love Batman Dead End. Dead mm-hmm. End is uh, the first. <laughs> it's, it's Batman fighting predators and aliens <laughs> <laughs> and the Joker. It's insane, but yeah. It's the first fan film I've ever seen, and this is back in the days when I had Earthlink mm-hmm. as my modem. <laughs> Pre Google era. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the. It's during the time where you pick up the phone, your, your internet crashes. <laughs> Dang the it! Phone, I'm on the internet. Dang it! I was downloading from Napster. <laughs> so you can tell that this fan film took me two days to upload, or to download, and or to watch. Yeah, and I enjoyed every minute of it because, like. I I'd had no concept of what the fan film was, mm-hmm. but I was like, man, this is all my wildest fantasies come to life. Like, all my bathtub <laughs> fantasies playing with my Batman action figure, my alien action figure, like, mm-hmm. coming to life. So I thought that was cool and, and ingenious. Mm-hmm. 
using their resources and the technology at the time. So Den is definitely cool. Um, but the Power Ranger one with uh, James Vanderbeek. I actually hate that one. <laughs> it's done by the one. Dirty Laundry guy. Really? Yeah. Man, that because I mean I I can see Power Rangers done in a gritty form. I, I can see it working, mm-hmm. but it's just it's it's uh, it, I don't know. It's just a uh, celebration of violence. You know, like yeah. It was just you know. Let's have the Black Ranger do cocaine and like be surrounded by strippers and stuff like that. What's that have to do with Power Rangers? <laughs> right, right. Uh, there are an unlimited number of Star Wars fan films. Yeah, it's like, uh, and to quote TC on it, it's like some of it's even better than the stuff we've getting we're getting from Lucas mm-hmm. films. Like, some some of the best <clears throat> Star Wars stuff had, was made by fans. Was there any that made canon, or is that something no, that okay. no 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 uh, that would there, be insane. That would that would that would be. <laughs> Crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> what What's your favorite Star Wars fan film? Oh, jeez. Um, I don't know if any, none jump out at me right now. None that I can think of. They're all so lightsabery. I'm trying yeah. to think of one that's not Jedi related. <laughs> right. Uh, people love them lightsaber choreography. Like the Thanks Darth Maul one has some great choreography in it, but the, the lightsabers do not equal good. <laughs> um, there's some funny ones like Troops or mm. Chad Vader. It's that is oh, like yeah, that is yeah. old school. That's that's old school uh, fan film, um, and none none are popping in my head right now. Would you consider Red versus Blue a fan film? Mm, that's Machinima, hmm. and I don't know if we're counting that as a fan film. No, I'm not. You can't. I don't think it counts as fan film because there's no characters from Halo uh. in it. However. That series is so good. It is. It's really good. I, how how I, I'm currently it once it got up on Netflix, I was able to like get through it. I'm on like season ten or eleven now. Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> they they for a bunch of guys who were hanging out in their basement making goofy machinima, <laughs> and now they're fully mocap animating fight scenes. <laughs> wow! It's what? insane. Have you seen some of the fight scenes they've done in the series? No, I've I've only seen the first season, dude. Yeah, they. It it has gone from like mostly machinima capturing an in game Halo mm-hmm. to like fifty percent that fifty percent original animation. Wow, no it's, way! The fight scenes are crazy. Yeah, they're insane. I, we should we should watch them. They're so great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Those are all the tweets I have. Woo! Uh, ben, would you like to give any plugs to maybe a Iron Fist fan film that's covering it coming out in the first week of November on yes. Band with No Name on YouTube? Speaking of uh, great fan films, now. <laughs> I already did it for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the the, the volleyball toss. Um, so re- I'm really happy about how the Immortal Iron Fist turned out. It was my Iron Fist uh, fan film slash short film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'll be dropping early November in conjunction with a, uh, a magazine essay that I wrote for Inheritance Magazine. I'm really happy with how both it turned out. So look out for that on the YouTube's Follow Band with No Name. Films on Facebook and our official website and on YouTube. You can s- search all our content there. And uh, you can uh, help me out, help me and my partners out at NBC Asian America by liking us on Facebook and following our content. Life Stories just ended, but you can binge watch all 20 episodes on NBCAsianAmerica.com, NBC Asian America on YouTube and Facebook. We're available on Apple TV and Roku as well. So, yeah. No excuse not to watch it, <laughs> it's everywhere. All right, and people can find you on Twitter, Instagram, like we said, Benji Toes. At Benji Toes. Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TC's Big Head. I'm currently participating in Inktober, so I will be doing offering up a black and white ink drawing every day for this for this month. Um, 
And you can check out firmamentfilms.com where you might be listening to this. Check out some of our short films including Unbuttoned, Meatball, Asesino, and Screenwriter, which are our three award-winning films from the summer. Um, we've won four festivals with those three movies, so yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I don't – you're – I almost started plugging your stuff, but you're sitting in front of me this time, so oh. I don't have to. <laughs> there's, there's something else? Uh, well, I was kidding. And if you want to follow Ben. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, you can comment in any comment section where you might be listening to us, unless you're listening to this on iTunes. Then tweet at us or head over to Firmament Films or find me on Facebook. So thank you all for listening. Ben, thank you for being here. Thank you, TC. Uh, we'll love to hear your, your the listeners' thoughts on Idiocracy or anything we had to discuss today. Uh, we will be back again probably with election and Ooh. start thinking about who your favorite film and uh, your fictional presidents are as well as who you're not going to vote for, which would be <laughs> – Tell us what, in the comment section whether or not you're voting for Trump so we can ban you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Ban hammer. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. All right. Thank you, everyone, again. I am TC DeWitt for Bento over here. For all the rewatchmen everywhere saying, keep doing what you do. Beyond. I always believed in futures. I hope for better in November. Try the same through same fucking numbers. It could be a cold.